gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Surreal Melbourne. This would be episode 12. Today I am joined with a uh, legend of the scene, uh, a good friend of mine who um, we've teed around the idea of him coming on board as a guest for a very long time. Hi, Blaney. <laughs> stop it, stop, stop it, it, stop it. Nah, it's all about this guy over here. It's all about this guy over here. What's up, my guy? Oh, my ego is just like, oh, two hours and it's just about me. So I'm just like <laughs> yes. relishing in uh, giving, giving that to my ego because yeah. I've, I've been kicked off Facebook. So this is all I've got right now. For are, you, are you actually off Facebook? Um, someone hacked my account and I am by, not by choice, but yeah, I'm off Facebook. I actually, um, I, I got a new account today and I have one friend. Nice. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> You're my only friend. And I thought, I thought about inviting people and I'm like, I don't even know if I can do this, but. Yeah, you got to do it all over again. Uh, maybe, we'll see. Yeah. So obviously uh, your name is Michael Scarlett for the, for, for the viewers. Uh, so if anybody uh, wants to be his friend on Facebook, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael. No, no, I'm trying to live in an anonymity now. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. My name is uh, Rodrigo... Um, Sanchez. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Rodrigo Sanchez. So, Where's your hometown, Rodrigo? Um, the one my friend. <laughs> So, uh, Mickey, you run uh, an event organization uh, that does very unique events called Culture Jam, and you have a music project called Trickbox. Yep, I do have. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I do have both those things. Those things, you know, um, but you only have one friend, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like. Heaps of people come to my party, so yeah, yeah. I'm really cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things that distinguishes your parties is you you put on very uh, unique themed events that um, that really stand out and make people want to go to them just purely for the aesthetic. And then and let's focus on the word narrative here. You always have a theme and a narrative that goes in your events, and mm. it really sets your events apart from your sort of whatever festival show or nightclub event, uh, you know, and... Um, yeah. keeps, it, keeps it fresh and the narrative changes. So even mm -hmm. if you get familiar with an event, um, it's going to be different next time. It's always going to surprise you a little bit. And, yeah. yeah. And, and before, like, obviously there's a lot to talk about in just those events. You've got the Masquerade Ball, you've got the World Beyond... Um, I don't know. You, you've got a bunch of different things. The, the towns are the town, yeah, definitely the, towns the are, one that people uh, absolutely love. Like, yeah. I can't go out without someone asking when the town's going to be. <laughs> I was going to make little cards, like, thank you for your interest in the town. I'm yeah. currently not doing this, but da 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 da, -da. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But saying that, I've actually, like, the last few times I've gone out, I've had really good conversations about it. So yeah. I think you probably experience it too um, where you get a specific question and it can be hard not to feel like you're just, like, dishing out like a generic answer because yeah, you know, yeah. you've been asked it heaps of times. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's actually because it's such a unique climate right now. I'm just being brutally honest and being like, yeah, this is what's going on and here are the challenges and, yeah. you know, cry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Take a little violin to bed with you. So. <laughs> Who told you that? Me <laughs> triste. I thought, anyway. I thought I made my new uh, Facebook account private, but apparently not. <laughs> that was my one friend. <laughs> hey, Mickey, do me a favor. Just angle your microphone slightly more towards your mouth. Don't yeah. tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dad. Okay, so now we know who's the dom and who's the submissive. <laughs> so, uh, is, that, is that better? That is... Um, 
I don't know. You tell me. Ooh, Maybe. I love Ooh. your raspy voice coming mm. through my headphones right now. <laughs> raspy. Uh, so obviously, uh, that being said, you've got you know you, you haven't done the town for a while, but you do have an event called uh, Daisy. Oopsie Daisy. Oopsie Daisy. That's right. Uh, which is is like a, is that like Diet Fat the Town? <laughs> diet like Diet the it Town. Diet, diet Town. Fat. It is Diet Town. Diet Town. Diet Town. It is Diet Town. Um, Lots yeah. of salads. Yeah, there will be some salads. No. Yeah, I mean, um, town's not realistic right now. But, yeah. um, is it just because it's too big, the town? Is that why it's unrealistic? Or, like, I'm just I curious mean, as to why. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, okay. You've got to be a little bit crazy to throw festivals. Like, no, you, crazy or rich, I reckon, <laughs> or, like, a good money supply. Yeah, Cause yeah. It, even in the ideal climate, even before COVID, like there is so much against you, and yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge personal um, undertaking. Thank you, because I didn't have the word. I appreciate you finishing my <laughs> sentence. Um, and then add COVID, like you got to be really crazy. And I'm like, I like pushing myself, but like I'm also like to be sensible and sustainable. I don't want to um make a decision that would ruin me. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's why it's not happening right now, and mm. you know, um, I'm like, cool, I'll um, I'll throw a day party because um, I know I, what I can control. Well, I can't control shit, but if you if you look at Europe, um, this is going back to when I th- decided to throw it in November. Um, looking at Europe, I was like, cool, they had a really good summer. It wasn't till winter, but now we've got you know, uh, yeah, I don't want to say it. <laughs> we've got we've got some new challenges. The so, O that um, must not be named. The o- Omicron. It sounds yeah. like I was yeah. thinking the other. It sounds like a transformer. That's I, was what I say, thought yeah. as well. I thought yeah. the same thing, oh, Doug. There's a, there's a new one. Um, oh, what is it? Um, Delta Cron. Yeah. When Delta meets Omicron. <laughs> and people were so mean to Delta Good Dream as well. That was so mean it to her. It wasn't her fault. That was so hashtag, mean to her. Hashtag not her fault. Don't be so mean to Delta guys. Yeah, Come on. Seriously. Like you know. Lay off it. I know you're into, like, underground psytrance and, like, pop stars are so bad, but, like, you know, <laughs> she's a human. Hey, what actually <laughs> happened with Delta? So, fuck, didn't she, like, lose her voice? I don't even know who she some, is. Some, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start there. <laughs> wasn't, that on the, um, wasn't that on the citizenship test? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm due for one of those. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is Delta Goodrum? I don't know. Okay. No, stop it, stop it. The name of my third camel. <laughs> <laughs> Does oh, she have two humps? <laughs> can she run for 20 miles? <laughs> How many deaths can she go without water? <laughs> it's not um, racist it's on that. Take a, yeah, well, <laughs> when it's, you know, you can do it. <laughs> we're not, we're definitely not, we're doing, not doing that. Um, just go on a couch with a microphone. Yeah. We're, just gonna, um, we're just gonna cut to a Delta Good. <laughs> <laughs> You you were saying there's like heaps of challenges though, and like for those that don't know the town, like give us a little. What what is the town? Like what is it trying trying to do as a festival? Yeah, cool. Um, it's it's a make believe world. Um, so you go to this festival, and instead of you know it being a sound festival, and there's the stage, and there's the camping, and there's the workshops, the whole thing is themed. So um. Man, this is really generally hard for me to explain, but I'll, I'll do do my best. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got like fake shops, we've got a post office, we've got all these quirky bikes that we um, ship up from Tasmania. Like you know, you pedal backwards and you ride forward. It's one of my That's favorite it. things. You, you you know, the the town begins on the Friday, 
and the first people arrive and like without fail they always go for the bikes first and suddenly <laughs> you see people start popping up in costumes and they're riding these like super weird bikes around um, and then yeah you've got you've got all these different theme spaces um, which different crews and different people come together and do Absurditory, it's like a science theme space. Cool. Um, Hera, who you had on one of your podcasts, yeah, she yeah. did a dispensary, so handing out medicine and tea and witchcraft and yeah. that awesome thing. You've got post office, everyone brings a mailbox. Um, we do a lot of theatrics, so we've got a full theatrical team. The Friday night there's a prom, so it's there's actually um, a gymnasium okay. on site, like a massive <laughs> full-size gymnasium. <laughs> my my uh, friend Harvey was like, oh, my God, we should do a prom. So we do different decades. So, oh, man. Um, mm-hmm. Last time was 50s prom and, Ooh. you know, had like the – had the it's the full vibe. It's like, you know and, – and the best thing is like we set the tone but then the crowd also brings everything to life. So mm. it's not like a theatre show where you sit down and it's scripted. It, it's, it's playing with that absurdity of life. And mm. I'm sure you guys have been at festivals when the shit talk gets so ridiculous – it's more fluid than a normal conversation. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And if you Absolutely. guys, you guys are bantering, and I'm coming along. I'm like, hey guys, I'm just wondering what the time is. You'd probably piss yourself laughing because my yeah. my reality at that point would sound fucking absurd. And that's kind of the language of the town. Um, the absurd becomes normal. And yeah, I started saying it's make believe, but I think it's very authentic. Like I think in mm. all that absurdity and dress up, you're like you drop your ego and you're free to act however the fuck you want well, you're allowing your inner child to run rampant and that's what everyone wants but we're so restricted by society's social constraints and what's acceptable that it's we need to have drugs or we need to have a, a copious amount of alcohol to remove those inhibitions mm-hmm. when in reality all you have to do is go to the town <laughs> you know what, have, have permission and have a culture around yeah, you you know yeah. if you've got 80 to 90 percent of people acting a certain way you know and it's a very like there's not a lot of pressure around it. You're going to feel quite comfortable in dropping your guard. Yeah. But, yeah, really, really well said. And I, and I do try to, when designing the town and my festivals, um, I design it so it's really it's really filling people up mm. and it doesn't rely on taking drugs. It doesn't rely on escapism. It's like, no, let's make this so abundant and theatrical and rich and so much is fucking happening mm. that, um, yeah, your cups, you're going to be full. Your cups going to be full. I, I've never taken any drugs at my gigs before and like I get so high. Yeah, yeah. Super high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Woo! My um our, our mutual friend, um, Chris Black, he went to the town, I think like for the first couple of years and stuff, and he definitely touted it. Like he loved it, man. And, and he's yeah, a, he really he really bigged it up like massively. Yeah. He was just yeah. like, and he's like Chris he's, Black. He's an actor. <laughs> like well, he, he's an actor Chris as well. Black. So Yeah, he so he yeah. would have loved that theatrical element and you know the like, role playing and yeah. stuff like that. Like and, yeah. And, and and like what you say about like talking shit, like this I I'm so devo that I'm not, I'd never actually got to the town because everyone like Jimbo is always talking to me. But I was like, that sounds Sorry. like my event because <laughs> I literally just at festivals don't even go to the dance floor anymore. I try to go and recreate situations like that where, <laughs> where you know, there's like, oh, someone doing stand up. Like I, I recently came back from a New Year's uh, trip to the subspace and, um, wasn't on the lineup, but somehow I managed to get myself a set, rocked up to the stage. They're like, oh, we're switching over the amps. You've got to do this, this, uh, so, so, you know, you're not playing. And then they're like, oh, well, do you want to play by the river? We'll set you up with the Jenny. I'm like, sweet. Set up the Jenny, play hip hop on the river. Yes. Really sick. Oh, hip hop on the river. Yeah, that's not it. So then like after the set, you know, I was like, when at Capella and Josh is running the festival, hey, dude, do a spoken word, do rap, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, so I started to do this thing. And the rap finished, 
a standing ovation. Another DJ comes in, he plays a set. Wait, wait, you got a standing ovation? Standing O's. By the river. By the river. <laughs> doing rap and spoken word. This is yeah. fantastic. I wish I came to Subspace. Oh, dude, this wasn't, this wasn't even it. So this, that <laughs> other DJ, that was just like, a, that was sick. But what ensued was comedic gold, quite literally. Like this DJ played after me and then he like packed up and then we were about to fire up the main stage. All the organizers left. Here I was left to the Jenny, uh, literally a, bar- a rusted barbecue uh, hot plate like that's like mobile, you know, that you can attach a gas cooker, but that, that's what all the DJ stuff was on. My microphone was still there, plugged in there, you know, the echoes and everything. And I just go for an hour of stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think people just tripping balls there and they're all like egging me. I'm like, I'll keep going. And you know, it's just like that like moment where I'm just like, I am just absolutely talking shit right now. I, like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just created this whole bit how I had a Russian wife. Her name was Svetlana, <laughs> you know, and like she was trying to like, you know, take my money and she did. And, you know, she had a boob job to, you know, <laughs> take the money from the divorce. Like, obviously all fake. But, you know, there was like a... What, what time was this? Is this th- this like- was like in the Arvo. Okay, so not even like three in the morning. No, no, no. no, no yeah. This was like three in the afternoon. <laughs> the sun, sun coming down. Yeah, was yeah. it on the back of a night before or... Yeah, well, it was, it was like it's the New Year's Day. <laughs> it was New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day, beautiful. And, and like, <laughs> just reading the reading the room, you're like, you know, it's sunny. We're by a river. I think people need to hear about my fake wife slip. But I, mean, <laughs> like, I just feel like I feel like that. What the that's what the party's asking for, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, where do I line up for tickets, Michael, to see this guy? What are you, <laughs> like, you know, the, the point is, the point is, it's like just point to the queue. I'll be there. It's like the most random. Standing over. <laughs> standing over by the river. Standing over. <laughs> Make more joke. Make more <laughs> <laughs> but Again, you can do that. Some can say that. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like the situations like that happen at the town all the time. Like it's just basically yeah, that. Yeah, they do. And the it's funny. It's like I don't get to see a lot of it because I'm running around uh, organizing the festival and then I hear all these stories. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like that's what the festival's like. Like, you know, I know what the festival's like on the, the front end, um, you know, and I put a lot of energy in, and um, – yeah, get a lot of amazing people to bring those skits to life. And, you know, we, we put a lot of magic into it. But, like, hearing, like, those campsite stories and just, like, <laughs> people really committing to character, like, that yeah. that brings me a lot of joy. And one of my, like, life dreams is to just go to the town as a punter and <laughs> really get amongst it. Yeah, mate, it's it's honestly so good, all that sort of festival banter at campsites. One year, one of the funniest things we had with my mates was, like, one of them dressed, like, head-to-toe Pepsi. The other one was head to toe Coke. So it was like Pepsi v Coke. They're both called Tom. <laughs> so it's like Tom v Tom, Pepsi v Coke. And we just kept gagging on that like all weekend. It was so funny. We're just yeah. like, oi, Pepsi, you've changed, man. You've changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it wasn't just like a, it went for the whole weekend. It wasn't yeah. just like a, a moment. Yeah. Yeah, it went for the whole weekend. Yeah, literally. Like, yeah, we just like, even after they'd been dressed up as Pepsi and Coke, like we just kept like, doing it yeah it was super fun man it was super fun so I love that so i mean man before you kind of like uh created a lot of these events and and we, i want to go into a bunch of them because i really like the theme behind the world beyond as well that yeah, me was too. that was uh super like cyberpunk futuristic sci-fi all the all the cool yeah i had a few all, incarnations but yeah um, yeah the photos look sick different um mm-hmm. possibilities for the future so 
I mean, obviously, you would have had to have some inspiration. So where did Nah, this, man, this is all this is all me, bro. Like, is, uh, I, yeah. I, I am the conduit. I am an island. <laughs> I come up with everything myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Sorry. So I cut it on your question. No, that's all good, man. Um, <laughs> death to the infidel. <laughs> what? Man, anyways, uh, Kit Kat, anyone? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Before you know, obviously, before you started running these events, you were um, you were you've been going to a lot of festivals and do and you've been like obviously involved in a bunch of different things. You lend out a lot of your um, you do, obviously one of the outcomes of doing these events is you accumulate a lot of props. It's one of yeah, your side that came th- a bit further though. Like yeah, yeah there's definitely the, the pre period where yeah. I was just um, going to gigs and volunteering and and learning and experiencing. Yeah, I got yeah. super bored of going. Um, mm-hmm just going to parties because they all started feeling very same-ish. And, yeah. Um, yeah, at the start they were really pushing my consciousness and pushing my social circles and pushing yeah. me creatively. And then, um, yeah, I just started to feel like a stagnation. So, yeah, started volunteering, started helping throw gigs and, and that excitement came back because mm-hmm. um, it's like anything. It's like go, you go and get a meal and it's like if you're not in hospitality and you don't know behind the scenes, like there's a whole other world there to give you that front end. Yeah. Um, and that's really exciting to me. Yeah. So where did the, like, where did the original inspiration for you to even just get into this whole thing? Like, where did it start for you? What was your sort of first oh, event? On- pretty, pretty early actually, just cause I'm an ideas person. Like I love toying around with ideas, discussing yeah. ideas, thinking about how things could be done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a memory thinking about it today. Um, me and my friend, like, you know, early twenties sat down and we're like, let's just build our fucking dream gig. Like let's pretend we've got all the money and no mm. constraints and like, what would we build? And we created this uh, idea for a festival and it was pretty doofy because I was more into dwarfs. But like, um, I remember you walked into the main party and you could choose whether you went to the beach or to the forest. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and you know, the beach was themed. So you had like, you know, like lifeguards and little beach huts and stuff. And that was more playful, theatrical, sunshine, really mm. fun music. And then the forest, um, more tribal, earthy, like all the really good doofy elements I liked at the time. And yeah, yeah. I remember thinking we could like, at some points you go to the beach, but then it's just the sound of waves and campfires and stuff. And you go to the forest and it's cranking and then vice versa. And yeah, just quite, quite early um, thinking about how we could play with the model. Just mm-hmm. I find that super interesting, man. Cause it's like, which genres do you think you'd play? So like obviously forest, like techno, Side trance. Oh, sorry, forest. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Forest would be like techno, side trance, maybe like D&B, breakbeat, and then on the beach it's like house, disco. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, but then you could, sw- yeah, you could swap them. You could you swap could, them. Yeah, you could get, you, there's so many opportunities I feel. Um, Dude, this this event like, never ch- happened though, right? No, this is purely hypothetical. You've got yeah. my juices going, man. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when can we book you for a stand-up? <laughs> yeah. Featuring yeah. <laughs> the Waffle Tron. Live pipe at, man, pipe live, machine, pipe waffle. Live at the beach. <laughs> um, hey, my level's okay. Just double checking. Uh, I'm paranoid. I'm not speaking. I'm gonna, you know, want to be in the room. Look at the camera. I, th- I think just like uh, you could back up the boom arm and then f- yeah, point like, it a bit towards your mouth. Um, that a bit better. Yeah, I think so. Do you want to say something? La, 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 la. I think that's good. Nice. See me at the beach. See me at the beach. Hey, so, man, I saw, like, some photos from the world beyond, right? Yeah. Man, w- like, 
cyberpunk themes. Yeah, that, that's a, the, Blade um, we've done four. So we did, um, and and the narrative kind of connected together. So it started with post-apocalypse, um, everything is fucked and Melbourne collapsed and it was kind of like the rebel base. Then it was 20 years on and then technology came back in and we had the cyber city, so that was full cyberpunk. Cool. Then the third one, um, it was a symbiosis of nature and technology and then we did a prequel um, set in 2033 and that was that was trying to be quite, yeah, quite topical. That was like everyone had chips in their brains and um, basically like the world was you know, climate change and um, all the other challenges were getting so apparent and class division that you could download like a happiness filter and it just made everything like really like... You basically made an altered carbon version of this. I haven't <laughs> seen altered carbon, but obviously Black Mirror is another obvious yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly what you're saying is... Altered carbon is, sick. Is, is, yeah, altered carbon <laughs> sick, but it, it is down your alley and it's basically that like people can download their consciousness onto these things called stacks, which are like the back, back of your brain and you can essentially, if you die, you basically have a backup of all your memories and thoughts and into find, the find stack. another body or yeah exactly and then, and then there's like all these different bodies some are registered some are like black market basically you know like basically mm. someone died and they just like stole the body and then you can upload your stack into their the back of their neck it's a very awesome premise for a for a show but it's very it's similar to what you're saying in terms of what you've themed and it's important to, i think sci-fi is really important because a lot of it maybe doesn't come you know real sp- detail for detail but mm. a lot of themes and the ethics that go around them like you know mark zuckerberg coming out with the meta it's like dude this is just ready player one i don't know if you guys have, made yeah, it. I have yeah, seen yeah. that yeah read the book book is fascinating um, cool. and explores like the class in, in the movie it's just like oh my god like the oasis is so incredible i can go anywhere in the movie he's like i'm fucking poor i'm stuck on this shit planet where all i can do is go to school and it's like it's a little bit more of like a um mm. sci-fi willy wonka story yeah um so yeah um you asked about inspiration earlier and my inspiration is largely outside festivals it's yeah. things like this it's you know it's reading books and mm-hmm. going to really cool immersive experiences and just like anyone pushing the boundaries like that's what my brain wants my brain wants to just be like oh my god like what you know you're you're so far over here and you're you're giving me something so unexpected mm-hmm. and um yeah i want to yeah, I want to be stimulated in that way, not yeah. not with within the safety of what I know. Exactly. I yeah. do that every day. I like I do like safety too, but you know, yeah, I, yeah. I can sleep in, you know, eat some corn cornflakes and you know. <laughs> with some hummus, yeah. Fucking hummus is definitely a yeah. safety food. Cornflakes and hummus together. Um chickpeas for life. It's it's a uh, hashtag. It's a uh, hashtag Delta Goodroom. Um, exactly. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I was thinking it. Uh, whoever you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like it, it's really fascinating because for like for the audience, uh, the only glimpse that we have of that is through books, through movies, maybe VR. But um, for those who come to your event, you, you've been able to sort of highlight and encapsulate some of what you experience from your influences and are able to create an, a similar narrative, but actually bring us somewhat close to that by assisting us in using our imagination to sort of fill in the blanks. And I think this is one of the awesome things about going to your events is there's that hey, there's this, this is the narrative, you guys fill it up. You know, like this is, like you guys continue the story and fill in all the middle plot points. You yeah, know? and even, you know, if you don't want to go that far, um, 
you know, you're still like you're in an environment like dressed in your post-apocalyptic gear. It's like there's something like very visceral. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's hard not to get into that character. Yeah, and just to, you know, it's awesome watching movies and reading books, but to be able to like explore a world, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I find it really healing, um, you know, to be able to step outside your your normal skin and, and mm. be a different version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, um, again, like I don't think that's escapism. Like I actually think it's like getting in touch with no. Yeah. We are. Yeah, well, we, 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 you get more complex. Do you know what I mean? Like your school of thought or your interests, what you're interested in culturally, everything. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's all, you know, like culminating and it's kind of like you can be like a multifaceted person. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm really into like cyberpunk stuff and like hardcore, but I also like, you know, really like, you know, wearing a suit or like dressing up and like doing formal like business kind of like attire or like whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like uh, I find that like, if you're a bit of a culture vulture, like, you know, like it's just more complex than that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and people are interested in like so many different things. You almost like can't get enough of it. And like, yeah, you can express yourself multiple ways. Yeah. It's a bit more fully rounded and, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was, I'm, I'm digging what you're saying, man. What's, what's Thank interesting you. is like psychologists will sometimes have their patients role play or, or like pretend to be the best version of themselves or. Well, they also do it to play out traumas. It, exactly. Yeah, it's, like it's it's a, psychodrama. It's, it's yeah. like catharsis. It's like cathartic. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an ability to explore the trauma in in a safe space, right? So that they can actually kind of work through it. Like, say you, you okay, let's pretend you are the twelve year old version of yourself, and you were abused by, you know, like your dad hit you or whatever, and you sort of like try to recreate the situation with that. What would you have done? And like they'll have you, like for example, stand up for yourself. So because mm. nobody else ever stood up for you. So there's a similar. I, I equate that similarly to what you're saying about the, this power in being able to play a character. I mean, this is one of the things that I, why I like acting. And, you know, I know for myself personally, aside from doing stand-up, I like being the center of attention, right? Why do I like being a center of attention? Well, it's quite simple. Well, I have some sort of insecurity. And so acting allows me to, has always allowed me, being a performer has allowed me to sort of achieve some sort of validation albeit it could be an unhealthy form of uh, trying to uh, like attention seeking could be an unhealthy form of validation but when you start to discover why you do that then you're able to sort of sidestep out of that the ego's need to want to you know feed itself and then just able to just be a really good performer yeah and i don't think it's black and white <clears throat> i think um, it's not it, no. there could be some ego there but then it could be an amazing space to find your power exactly and share your power and, and <clears throat> i'd say that's similar to performing yeah um, yeah it's multifaceted and um yeah part of it is about the social validation and feeling good which is i think something that we mm. all want but then there's like you know you'll experience humility you'll experience fear you'll experience overcoming that fear mm, mm, mm. you'll share things you know and i even think like posting on Facebook, like, you know, I could, you could say the same thing. It's like, it's you know, a bit of performance, you mean, as in like or posting vulnerabilities. Not so, yeah. I was going to say more about the posting vulnerabilities. Um, so you could very, you know, obviously just say it's like, it's an ego trap and you're just getting validation and you're, you're chasing those neurotransmitters. Yeah. yeah. Like fishing for likes. It's a quick dopamine. It's instant gratification. Fishing for likes. Which I'm sure we've all yeah. done. Um, you know, I've definitely had points where I've been addicted to that. Mm. And I also, I try when I write stuff on Facebook, I try to be very vulnerable and share and say maybe you're on stage and you're going to play a track and you're like, you know what, this track probably by all like, you know, safe standards will not rock the dance floor, but it's so fucking close to my heart. I'm just going to go for it. And maybe you put it out mm. and then the dance floor responds well and you're like, 
oh, and like there's something so powerful about being afraid, not knowing how something's going to be received, whether it's a Facebook post or whether mm-hmm. it's a, being on stage or whether it's a gig. And then like people resonating with it, like that's such a beautiful space. That was very yeah. far off where we started. But no, <laughs> I'm but glad we got there in the end though because I think there's something to be said as well about the addiction of having people in the palm of your hand, mm. like captivating people mm-hmm. when you know that you're being entertaining and that energy yeah. that that gives you as well. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like pretty God strong. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like it's a rush, right? I mean like yeah. that's why <laughs> actors do what they do. Do you know what I mean? And it's also kind of crazy when you see like big names collabing and stuff like that, and then, like, the ego dissolves and it's not just about, like, you know, you know, it's like Leo and Jonah Hill, do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't that, do like... Do you know what I mean? Like, where, they're like, you've got somebody who's experienced, like, someone who wants to come in and then, like, they just work, you know what I mean? And it's not about ego at that point. It's just about, like, everyone does their bit, but captivating in their own way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you know what I mean? No. Yeah, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's really good to be open in all these different areas of what is possible because, like... Yeah, you know, I think we can transition very quickly from things that are superficial to things that are quite deep. And um, it's important for us not to put our own projections onto things as well of like anyone who posts on Facebook is just like chasing this or that guy's a fucking idiot or DJ is just like really arrogant. It's like, no, we're we're all co-creating together. Um, And, you know, it's it's really important for us to not not get jaded because it's it's like Mm. this is a co-creation right now. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I think... um, yeah, being humble, being open to change and not boxing things in is so important right mm. now more yeah. than ever. Yeah, especially with some, yeah, you need to be adaptive if anything. I think what uh, what what's so interesting is, um, I mean, I think we're, we speak, for, like I speak for both of you, is like, you know, we, we did exist pre-Facebook, obviously like anyone else did, but we it wasn't always like that. We didn't live our lives based on this, you know, constant need to have a digital identity that's all, all, you know, obviously we're addicted to the validation through our posts. Before that, we just, we were just living, you know, we're just doing whatever we were doing and we we weren't so obsessed with uh, like the need to be your own celebrity because that's what this thing is sort of. It was there in the 90s still though, like. With MySpace? Even before that, like I remember, I've got a very like early memory of coming home from school one day and looking at a billboard. I'm just like, wow, like the whole world is kind of telling us all that we can be special and amazing. And I think there's always been this, this we've been sold this idea that we can grow into something. Mm. And now we've just got more, it's a bit more real time. We've got all this mirroring and people validating it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's easier. It's become more accessible. Yeah, I've been addicted to it a good chunk of my life. Mm. Um, I went on Facebook, one of the last lockdowns, and now I've yeah, been you kicked off, off which is like, I feel like the universe just stepped in and was just like, <laughs> boom. Yeah. No God. more facey for you. Um, you why, why were you kicked <laughs> off? Oh, someone hacked my account. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And, um... Yeah, Culture Jam's been really cool because it's like um, it's definitely like given me a sense of purpose and filled my cup up. But it's also something I've got to like sit back in. It's like I'm not a, I'm not the face of it. I'm not at the forefront of it. Like it is about the community. It is mm. about the events. Like that's what comes first. And um, yeah, I'm obviously like <clears throat> yeah, I love you know I do like having fun and being a rock star and like you know mm. like that kind of thing, which I should probably get more with my fire shows than, yeah. you know, I get it on stage as well sometimes, but I like being a, a punk and just being like, woo, and, and reveling in all that fun too. Yeah. But yeah. fundamentally, like, the drive is, um, yeah, it's got a lot more heart than that, and I genuinely care about it. Um, and, you know, it's at the end of the day, you know, because I've been reflecting on this, you know, now I'm coming to the podcast of, like, why do I do this? And, like, it's definitely not money because, like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not the most fruitful, like, 
venture? Well, yeah, like if you want to make money, maybe don't don't be so artistic. Yeah. Like, you know, because like... Just go for a formula. Yeah, and just play safer and just put, put the ticket price up. And, you know, I and probably... bring head, expensive headline act that you know will sell tickets. And it's, yeah. yeah, there's ways to do it. But, um, yeah, if you've got ethics and you've got creativity, like it does make it harder. And, like, you know, I think fundamentally, like, um, yeah, it brings me a lot of joy that I brought joy to other people. And, like, that's what's keeping me going. It's like, mm. and the town... As much as I always never wanted Colchian to be about one event, like that's probably what's keeping me going at this point is knowing that the town is like such a beautiful place and such a beautiful event that um, I will I need to bring that back to the world yeah. at some point. And you get asked all the time. That's that's like a massive form of validation, you know. Mm, it isn't. It isn't, man. Like mm. what you know, what fills my cup up is doing the events because you put yeah. so much like blood, sweat, and tears okay. into it, and then the event happens, and you're like. Yes, and like, and you you get financially recouped, so you know that's important too, sustainably. Yeah. But um, yeah, the hardest thing of COVID and you know the last two and a half years is like you don't you don't I don't haven't really got validated. You know, like I still go and check by party pictures just to remind myself. It's like cool, I did some cool shit. Yeah. I don't even know how. It feels like alien. Like how did I even how did that all that even happen? Um. A simpler time when we could gather in large numbers and listen to music. Yeah. <laughs> Events, that's the, isn't it, the, the beauty the of transience. World. Yeah. The, the world, world beyond. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, I am, um, yeah, I've definitely had moments. I nearly quit music last year. Damn. Um, wow. Yeah, in the peak of lockdown, I just stopped playing music and sold some of my gear because I didn't have much money. Um, started selling decor too. Um and luckily I was living with very cool people and one night, one night they were like, yeah, I'll bring out your music. I'm like, yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it was like two in the morning and I brought it out and the whole room, that none of them knew I did music and they were all just like, bing, like what? Because I'd just been so chill and nonchalant. I just wanted to explore who I was outside of creativity and outside yeah, of parties yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, and that fully like reignited me and then we just started jamming and sharing and like, yeah, my music cup filled because that was so real, you know, like in the room and just mm-hmm. like laughing and sharing. And I do live looping so I could just like sample people and make them laugh. And Inclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't exactly in a, at a time where it's like you don't have a lot to bounce off, like having something so, you know, um, yeah. alive in the room with other people. So that definitely um, inspired me. But, yeah, like losing the town because um, the town was going to be two months after COVID hit. So, oh, true. Yeah, so COVID, like, really hit in March 2020 and the, yeah, town, the yeah. town was for May. So I was, like, yeah, obviously, like, I lost money. It wasn't clear at the start how big it was. Like, cool, just, like, waited out a couple of months, <laughs> um, postponed it to November, um, and then it got to the point where it's, like, okay, November's not going to happen and, like, I need to, like, assess how much I'm emotionally invested in this. It's not about the money. It's, like, people would have been, like, well, just wait, you know, and financially, I'd probably be like, cool, we'll wait. And then we'll put some of that money in a savings account and it will, you know. But emotionally, I'm like, I need certainty. Like, I need to just bail on this and, and refund tickets, which was a massive process. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and luckily, yeah, the town has such, like, a place in my heart that I don't feel like it's ever going to go away. But, um, yeah, like, I've had moments in the last, like, <laughs> six hours where I'm like, should I just sell all my decor and just pull the fuck out and mm. not 
like, this isn't a good thing to say promotionally, but I don't give a fuck, like, and not do the upcoming event. And yeah, but it's real because it's your current circumstance, and that's the thing, man. Like, just as much as it's hurting you, the amount of times I've read from various, like, event pages and stuff like that, it's heart-wrenching watching them constantly write these emotive things, being like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, all the festivals that I know and love, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's been really fucking tragic, to be honest. Mm. I'm not enjoying it, but but man, as you were saying though, yeah, like, no, do you know no, what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's it's across the board, and um, yeah, I've been touching in with other organisers, and you know, just check in and see how they're doing, and, and you know, like, if I've got something um, constructive that I feel will help them, then I share it with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, <clears throat> I feel like ideally. <clears throat> we should be meeting up like once a month and just sitting down and checking the fuck in. Yeah, true. But been a really rocky time. But that could extend to everybody because it's yeah, been yeah. fucking, it's everyone's been got right. their challenges and, you know, it's all coming up in different ways. And, um, yeah, it was a classic thing in 2020, right? Like you don't, you don't share your story because everyone's got their thing going on. I, th- I think there's beauty in uh, universal suffering. Or like knowing that you're not the only one going through this through that thing, and and it's it's important that we have these conversations because it allows us to, I think obviously first off we we relate to each other, but it's cathartic sometimes having you know someone listen to you vent about your problems even though they've got problems is cathartic. Mm. It's like we're being we we've got to be psychologists to each other in a, in a way by allowing each other to have that space to just you know, without giving out advice where it's unwarranted, you know, because a lot of people do that too. But just like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, shout out to my man, Arthur Song, who's, um, I don't know if the painting shows, but he once told me, he's like, hey man, be nice if you just like listen to me and just don't try to give me advice. And it was like, you know, oh, oh, oh shit. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, man. Like, okay. And so now, like when we have conversations, for example, because he's um, obviously he's quit his white bear music and he's doing something called Form Null, and he was uh, one of the you know the the exports that came out of like sort of Melbourne in terms of bass music, and um, and he was at the point where he was really starting to peak in his career and having a lot of opportunities, but he wasn't interested in that. Mm. Um, it wasn't his authentic expression. So, so you know, um, obviously, what is he what is he doing? Well, he's had a difficult time in COVID. I don't want to get... Uh, it's no, obviously no, no, no. I've just been creating... You mentioned another creative project. Yeah, he's doing it, working a lot with motion design um, artists and stuff like that, so creating really cool textural sounds. That and, makes and, sense. And really, like, uh, intricate sound design, which is what he always liked, especially yeah, when he started... Yeah, like he should be doing games and ads and stuff because he's got... Stuff like that, that. He's got that talent and that sound. Yeah, he's still trying to discover it, but obviously COVID, what COVID took away from him, obviously he's been stuck in Malaysia with his family. I mean, not stuck, but, you know, he had to go back to these conditions um is this ex- like we're ice we were isolated here with covid for him it was worse because he just lost all his friends that he'd had since you know um 2008 2007 and so he hasn't had that and it's been extremely frustrating and challenging and so you know him me going and calling him and just having conversations with him and just be like man you just tell me what's up yeah no, just, just tell me what's up and i wouldn't try to give him any advice until he would say, what do you think I should do? You know? And I was like, then, I, then that's an invitation for me to, to interject and tell him what I think, you know? I'm still learning that. My, I'm very prone to just want to help by coming mm. up with solutions. It's okay. Same, and yeah. Then, and then, and I'm a problem solver. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 definitely. And that's exactly. all right, but it's, sometimes it's not what people need. <clears throat> they, just need um, they just need you to be until you're asked. It's just like there's, there's an art to even what we're doing now, like to just listening. 
you know, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm like, I do that as well. I just want to interject and like... <laughs> Stop interrupting me. <laughs> you know, and, and like I, for me, one of the things that's actually helped me is just doing this, is going, okay, this is about you. You are my guest or you are our guest. So the focus should be on you and that's the subject matter for, for now. And it's like it's an exercise in restraining that, uh, that part of yourself. Restraint that, is such a good thing. Yeah. I was um, a <clears throat> bit of a sidestep, but I was um, doing some work this year um, on Shantaram. <laughs> on the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Shantaram. Shout out to Gregory Dean Roberts. <laughs> For those who don't know, Shantaram's a very popular book about a true story about a guy who escaped from Pentridge Prison. Twice, isn't it? Did he escape? I think he escaped twice, yeah. Okay. Oh, one from an NZ prison as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, continue. Yeah, so he escaped and went over to India and sold drugs and... Joined the Afghan mafia. And yeah, became all kinds a, of criminal yeah. things. My, my friend was commenting how he's just like, everyone around him is doing dodgy shit and killing people and he's just like having knife fights and punch-ons. It's like, yeah, I think you did a little bit worse than that. You kind of <laughs> just like, maybe for legal reasons. But anyway, yeah, I was working on Shantaram and um, we had to, we were building this big, beautiful indoor temple. I was on the greens team, so we were decorating it with um, with nature and, and fake plants and stuff. And, um, yeah, well, the creative director came in and he's like, oh, like, w- way to show restraint. Like, and it was to the, the head of the greens team and he actually, it just summed it up so well because we could have just covered the thing in greens. Green. But it was so controlled. I'm like, that is so true. Like, that's such a, like, a mature thing to say is, like, look at all the things you didn't do. Like, look at look at how you just like focused on like some small details and didn't get your ego or your excitement, like you tame things. Um, yeah. And that takes time. And it's something I'm learning with my music now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's from The Simpsons. It's like, it's like, oh, what was it? The line, something like, listen to all the notes, <laughs> listen to all the notes that they didn't play. It's like, I could do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like with my piano, it's just like pausing. It's like, instead of just like, no, 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 like how many notes can I play and how fast? Like actually like slowing down and waiting and just like dun, 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 dun. like it's all about the fall and falling and those moments you do choose for yeah. the sound to hit. So that's um something pretty huge I'm learning as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something every artist is doing. But man, I've got to ask you as well, like what kind of music do you normally play? You've mentioned <laughs> piano and stuff like that. Like are you a multi instrumentalist? Like what's what do you oh, do? Yeah, myself. <clears throat> I was thinking listening. Um so uh, I do live looping. So I just bought this really nice um Nordwave keyboard, which is like really beautiful and has pianos and, and it's sh- red. Shallows and it's red so it goes fast. Um, so you're a loop daddy. I'm a loop daddy. <laughs> a loop daddy. Look, 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 Have you seen Mark Rebier, that guy? I fucking hate Mark. <laughs> okay, so like do a little bit. you hate him because he's doing what you want to do? No, I hate him because he is so fucking talented and he's just like, yeah. I want to fuck, I want to fuck. Oh my God, yes, I want to fuck. Like, cool, man. You're fucking, you've got talent, but it's just like, you don't have restraint. You're just like, you're, you're, you're appeasing to the law. He can't believe he's famous. He's just oh, really? <laughs> I reckon. Nah, look, he's, yeah, he's just in a constant state of awe. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's like. I, I started making videos. People love him. Here we go. Nah, I think you take like, it's a fun Exactly. Yeah. I should lighten up. The reason why I'm, like, on my little rant right now is because everyone's like, oh, dude, you're like Mark Riboulet. <laughs> and actually, I have a friend who is like Mark Riboulet. Um... You, you you know Luke. Um, oh, which Luke? Which Luke is this? Uh, Luke, um, Luke, who I was living with. Um, we won't go too deep because yeah. it's be very uninteresting for anyone yeah, else yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. But um, he is like totally Mark Ribolay. And we went to a, a party at Lockdown Studios um, 
a few months ago and we were just jumping up and rapping and just like coming out of that little bubble of making music together like yeah let's just jump on stage and just fucking like I can rap sure why the fuck not and we're just doing like rap battles and Luke's on stage just looking like Rock Me Belay just being like yeah I wanna make love to you like everyone in the party is just like oh my like so uninhibited and just like oh so yeah I don't love Mark Ribelay but I love Mark Ribelay's impersonator. Nice, <laughs> uh, nice, nice. So, like, like, so when you create your loops, would you say that your music's kind of like up tempo, or would you say it's down tempo? Um, look, so the project's really weird. I um, I kind of don't know what I'm going to play when I jump on stage. Word. I've, I've got like a looper and a drum machine and a keyboard, and it's super, super ambitious. And I'm just, you know, I'll get like a drum loop, like. Close the loop. That will start going. It's like cool, and I get a bass line, and like. Upbeat, like I like mm. doing upbeat, but like the ability to keep up with that live is hectic mm. because yeah. you're making it all live and you're thinking about moving parts, what's coming next, and exactly moving parts. You're in the past and the present and the future. And when I nail it, it's great, but there's definitely like times where it doesn't flow. Mm. Um, it's live. Yeah, my friend said like a good um, stand-up comedy, um, you can take notes too, good stand-up comedy um, <laughs> technique is you improv until you get stuck and then you fall back on your material. Yeah. Um, so I've started like, yeah, I mean, I've just been jamming, but you've got what, set songs is what you would say. You've got something. I'm going to, when I bring it back, yeah. I want to actually have some solid material. And I feel like then it can be a really strong set. Cause it's not just the novelty of it being done live and those hit and misses. It's just like, nah, let's just fucking hit. It will still be live as fuck. And chances are people won't notice. They'll still see the looping. They'll still see the, the keys, keys playing. Um, but yeah, mm. at home I just get quite, um, it's quite chill now. Like quite emotive. Um, yep. Yeah, sweet. Uh, so so I'm uh, sorry. Keep going. Yep. Nah, that's it. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, um, you know, you said that, that the advent of lock or the middle of lockdown, you started selling all your gear and stuff like that, and you were about to quit music. So, what what made you get from this low point to now being re inspired again? Like, how did you get there? In that low point. What, like, you know, was that dire? And then you went boom, you know what, no, I want to do this again. Um, Like, I went pretty low, man. Like, yeah, I won't go into details, but, like, yeah, yeah low, <laughs> so low. So, like, um, yeah, like, hope, like, you know, having hope. And, um, yeah, like, things got quite spiritual. Like, I find when I'm at my lowest, like, the universe really starts talking to me in, like, mm. fucking incredible ways. And, like, I chased the rainbow one day. Like, it was in a... <laughs> <laughs> is this a Skittles ad or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sponsored by Skittles. Yeah. Chase the rainbow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> Took me a second. Yeah, so I was, um, I was having a, and all kinds of synchronies were, synchronicities were happening. And actually I went out with a housemate and she's like, synchronicity is not real. It's like a, a fable people tell themselves in desperation because, um, and she was in a pretty dark place too. And I was it like. sounds like it to be honest. And I, and I was like, nah, like. You know, it like definitely when you, is real. I'm like, when you really need things to happen, they just walk into your life. And then this guy started walking towards me. Like, as I fucking said, it, I'm like, why the fuck is this guy like staring at me? And he took his mask off and it was his friend that I hadn't seen in years. And it was the full moon. And it was just like the most potent person to fall into my, back into my life. In that yeah. exact moment, I was just like, oh my motherfucking God, I can't believe you're here. And 
he, we went for a big walk and he gave me some good advice. But chasing motherfucking rainbows. Um, so I was at a supermarket and I saw like the tail end of a rainbow and I'm like, I'm going to fucking follow that rainbow. And I drove and I drove and... For about 20 minutes, the rainbow stayed in the sky and I got to this parkland. I'm like, cool, I think this is it. I'm like, no, nah, this doesn't feel right. And then I lost the rainbow. I'm like, I'm going to fucking refine that rainbow. Went for a drive and I saw 33 on the back of a truck, which is my lucky number. I'm like, followed the truck. And then the truck was spraying water and in the water was a rainbow mist. I'm like, yes, like keep following the rainbow. I kept following it <clears throat> and then like it reappeared. And then I'm like, I think it's taking me to my new home because I just got a new place but I hadn't moved in yet. And I, I literally went from Coburg all the way out. Um, I don't want to say where I live, but somewhere. Um, and, yeah, and then the full, like, rainbow, like, art across the sky. And I parked and then 333 was written on a license plate, which is my lucky number. And, like, you know, you could decode that story and be like, cool, you saw a rainbow and you followed it in a direction. doesn't mean shit. Like, that meant so much to me. And, like, to bring it back to your question, it's like knowing there's hope, like, you know, like, that's where inspiration comes from. It's like without hope, like how do you create? Like how do you create? Yeah. When create creativity is like imagining a really good future. It's like I can dream up a great party. Like I can see dance floors. I can play yeah. music. It's like it's like the creative juice. You, possibilities. You're playing with uh, infinite scenarios and yeah. And when you're in a state of despair, like there, it's know, bleak. Yeah, I mean, and some artists do a really good job. At like you know, like Tool, like they do an yeah. amazing job of channeling that, like that angst, angst into, and rage. Yeah, but um, yeah, a very um, you know, maybe over the top way of answering your question is yeah, like I went to a really dark place, and then I started like having hope come back into my life, and then playing with it and mm. trying to articulate it through music and through experience. I'm just stoked that you had good people around you that were able to lift you back. Because, man, like, you know, I had similar moments like a couple of years back, you know what I mean, like through the whole experience and I was definitely like leaning into my like contact group with like the people that I work with like when I freelance in film and stuff like that. And, man, like I was having like long phone conversations with people, you know what I mean, like 20, 30 minutes and like other artists and stuff like that, like anyone in the creative field, like everyone just feeling the pinch because like... You know, we couldn't, like, operate on any sort of level, really, like, that was profitable or, like, even worth it. Mm. And, like, man, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, yeah. I just, I'm really thankful that, and I'm glad that people kept you on the path. Yeah. Because, like, I, I definitely had moments as well where I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this, Absolutely, is my man. life going in the right direction? Is this what I want? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, like, I, I definitely wrestled with that. Absolutely, man. Like, yeah, and when I had to announce, like, the town, you know, being cancelled, like, a housemate just, like, fucking, like, yeah, like made me a coffee and just like gave me space to like just get through that moment. Because without mm. without those mates and without our support network, like it's a lot. Yeah, like it, it's hard. And and you know, uh, shout out to you. You have an amazing team as well behind you. Got a few people that have been with you, like Tom, the chief. Um, you've got a few. And Kirsten, yeah, Kirsten, but I mean, yeah. like they're not around right now. They are as friends. Like we're all yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're a close crew. It's been awesome that we've been able to have a crew and um, a friendship. Yeah, with with all my core crew. But, you know, like Harvey's in New Zealand, Kirsten's in Harvey Brisbane. Ogle? Yeah. Yeah. So my core crew, one's in New Zealand, um, others in Brisbane, um, other ones having a baby and, mm. yeah, and then Holly is doing doing her thing. You know, like I'd, I'd love – I'm not going to get my crew on without paying them. Yeah. And, you know, it hasn't been cash flow to pay people. So it's essentially been me holding up Culture Jam the last two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my sweet little own. <laughs> So, um, where did, um, uh, let's, we're going to go back in time here. 
we're gonna go. We're gonna go way back. We're gonna go way back in time. Get into chopper and get some. We're going back in time. What was your original inspiration? Like, how did you find yourself in Festival Land? How did you get in? Uh, what was your in? So, like, the scene? Yeah, like, what was your sort of first event or experience? Like, you know, <laughs> like, I want to trace back here. Have a the, guess how young I was. Uh, 13? Pretty close, 14. 14, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got some fake IDs made up, um, which was easier back then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the 90s. I think it was 99 end of the 90s um yeah and i went to a rave called every picture tells a story <laughs> i went to the very last one. Oh, because they brought it back they brought it back and then they yeah. had it in Docklands shed 14 and yeah yeah so that was shed like four. a little bit of a, re- a revival yeah. um yeah and it was this epic creative warehouse party at eltona sports and leisure center and um was it legal yeah if it was at eltona sports and leisure center i'm sure it was legal yeah, yeah. And they definitely didn't like, you know, get keys to the place and break in. Um, it's very British, that method. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was... It's true. I was, yeah, before, you know, I was I was still like, you know, I stayed a punk, like I love Rage Against the Machine and play guitar and stuff, but then another part of me was just like, oof, like raves, like, you know, we were getting to smoking weed and just like, whoa, like we can fucking explore these altered states of consciousness and go to parties and um, definitely did not tell my parents. <laughs> so we were sneaking out and going to these yeah. all-night raves, um, which is, yeah, it was pretty wild. Like imagine seeing a 14-year-old at a rave, like at 5 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, like, son, uh, this isn't where the tennis court is. <laughs> yeah. But even like the fence hoppers of showgrounds and stuff like that, like, you know, people at a young age, they do get involved yeah. with rave culture as well. Yeah. It's definitely unexpected though. And you'd think at 5 a.m. you're just like, well, man, where are your parents? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're supposed I mean, to be somewhere. Well, I've got 14-year-olds at the town, but it's very different. Like, But it's also an all-age event, isn't it? Yeah, and they're there with their family and, you know, yeah. they're having a chill time and, you know, getting getting theatrical and, and yeah, just yeah. being kids, but it's, it doesn't, you know, the town is not a drug culture, so it's no. two very different. No. Well, you said that, you said that the, the earlier in the podcast that, yeah, the, the whole premise of these, some of these events is that you don't have to escape through drugs. Yeah, they're, they're very much trying to create um, holistic environments that mm. aren't based around consumption and, and mm. based around healthier forms of connection. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went to raves <clears throat> and then... Um, I went to a festival straight after high school in Sejuna. It was Outback Eclipse Festival. Mm. And me and my girlfriend drove to Byron and all my mates were like, he's definitely going to come back as a hippie. <laughs> Just like going to Byron and then going to this um, yeah festival. And yeah, it was amazing. It was like in the middle of the desert above South Australia, just red dust everywhere. And um, yeah, the, all these, there's like, that was the start of like the terrorist thing. And it's like, yeah, there was all these rumours that we were going to get, you know, suicide bombed and shit because it was just after 9-11. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, my yeah. little uh, anxious brain was like, holy shit, am I going to die at this festival? Um, but, yeah, it was awesome. It was almost too epic of an intro because I was like 18, 19, and it was just like not quite ready. Yeah. That was like a fucking Burning Man Mad Max festival. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we pulled up and then our car died and then my whole inside of my car was covered in red dust and it was like... And, you know, it was all my high school friends, our first festival. So we weren't, by no means we were like... Um, ready. Yeah, we weren't ready. Like, and yeah, yeah. Um, still had some good times, but, yeah, didn't didn't fully 
um, get my like doof spirit on until, you know, started going to tribadelics, yep, started yeah. going to Earthcore and Earthcore, I had the best fucking time. Like Earthcore 10 year anniversary. So that would have been 2000 and I went to my first rainbow in 2003. So Earthcore was probably 2001 or 2002. No, 2002. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Infected Mushroom on Sunrise, Lightning yeah. Storm, which is like the Infected Mushroom into Hallucinogen. Lightning Storm Ooh. is like one of like the Earthcore like, um, yeah, like moments. moments yeah, if you yeah. find some old school crew, they'll be like that fucking sunrise. Like it was just like this electric energy and you could just feel it pulsating. It's like everyone was like on the same consciousness. <laughs> it was just yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking and infected back then were just so raw and so live raw. and not cheesy, just like. Yeah, just music. psychedelic and, and really awesome, yeah. Psychedelic meets classical music, just yeah. belting out melodies on sunrise the lightning just mm. wrapped all around us and Spiro like rose from, you know, oh. <laughs> 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 the dust, you know, settles the lights behind him. And, you know, like, yeah. I definitely remember, though, Infected Mushroom got spoke about with a certain level of notoriety. So, like, you know, when I started going, like, to raves and stuff like that, it would have been, like, 2009, yeah. you know what I mean, like, 2008. But, yeah, Infected Mushroom had that rep yeah. from, like, years previous mm. where people were just like, yo, the standard was so put the needle, high. Put the needle on the record. These are, this is it, man. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are the one. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was so live. And, you know, like, I remember just having these, like, experience being fucking on drugs and just being, like, and, and feeling so um, intertwined with the music. And mm. Erez, just this incredible classical yeah. pianist. Just so he's so good. That motherfucking the brains. And do dev and the muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I got to meet them both at Babylon. Yeah. And, um, uh, sorry, continue. I'll tell you the story in a bit. Oh, that's cool. I only met Doof Dev very briefly once. We were doing a fire show backstage and he came in and he's like, where the fuck is backstage? Was all like huffed up and looking for backstage. And my friend said I should have given him like a 1-3 cabs card because he sings that song. It's like, I'm the supervisor. Can I get a taxi number? Explain me the reason why I can't find a cab before I find my home. Um, but yeah, they're still talented, but at some point I tuned out because they started getting getting a bit cheeseball. Um, yeah. Man, who knows? Like, the way I'm talking now, like, there's surely doofers who talk about maybe like Bliss, like he's a life-size trans artist. Right? Yeah, he plays yeah, guitar. electric guitar, yeah. I haven't seen him, but like, you know, I part of this could be this was really new to me as well and it was really exciting. And my friend made a comment. He's like, you know, everyone said this better back in the day and it's like maybe it was also, you know, we, yeah. you were new and you were high for the first time and it was just so fucking exciting. I think yes and no. A bit of both. I reckon a bit of both. A bit of both because yeah. I got uh, with the last guests, um, uh, the la- not not Dan from Red Moon, but before him, Hard Candy. We we talked about this. Like, was it just that it was like where well, the parties was just better because it was just novel mm. the first time, and then now they're just not quite the same. And one thing Scott and Jim they both said was like that. You know, back when you used to go to raves, it wasn't like um, there were set genres or like uh, this is now psytrance. Is that they just played everything? They played jungle, hard house, you know, um, hard trance just Gabba, whatever, all these like old rave, like Psytrance and or Goa Trance at the time. And it was just all like this one mix of everything, you know, mm. and everything was a lot raw. The production value was still raw. But when, when it comes to like infected mushrooms, I mean, you know, I, I called them what, um, I went and saw them at Stereosonic and that was just before they were really starting to get commercial, you know, with that last album, Converting Vegetarians. And then after I love that album. Yeah. And then after that, that's when it, uh, it started to just, 
you know, I think they moved to America and they went like down that EDM sort of scene and, and, you know, credit to them, make more money, you know, bigger, bigger stages and everything. And as an artist, I think they did it well, they did it well. And they, you know, they, at, at some point, I think every artist gets like, we, we, you know, we've been doing this for so long. They probably want to not yeah. cash out or sell out, but maybe you have kids and you're like, I would like to support my family. Exactly. So like when I started looking at like that, I'm like, cause you know, one of my favorite artists from back in the day, like my early interest is, is, is infected, but Tiesto, old school Tiesto was, was I saw Tiesto like back in the day day. Yes. He's coming back guys. Oh shit. No, no, I'm tired of bringing him out. But I Should don't, we go? Yeah, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> I don't think oh, it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be trans. <laughs> <laughs> Tiesto on three. One, two, two three. Tiesto. Tiesto. <laughs> Come on, In I'm search of sunrise, baby. Gotta believe that. resistance. I think we need to educate on uh, Nawaf on Delta Goodrum and Tiesto. We're going to see you down. <laughs> some good old-fashioned psychedelic education. <laughs> <laughs> this new music is, is hey, like Grammy like, winning, but side note, like what's more psychedelic, um, going to like a dwarf and hearing Psytrance for the 400th time or going and seeing Delta Goodrum on acid. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, what, I'm going to go with the festival. Delta Goodrum festival. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I'm into it. Festival all about Delta. Mm. Uh, I'm good room. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a cu- couple of thoughts. Um, yeah, the, the mixed genre thing. I, I remember when I went to some of the early raves, like you walk into a room and it's playing fucking happy hardcore and then you go to another room and it's like a chill stage and they're playing like hip hop and stuff. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely that diversity. And that's where Culture Jam started. Like and originally Culture Jam meant jamming of subcultures. Yeah. So everyone at that point seemed to be doing like techno parties or yeah. dub parties or dub parties and like, nah, like let's just like ev- let's let every In- act be different yeah. and just make like a big a big mash of um, all the things. And like to Earthcore's credit, like they they did it. <laughs> they did it really well but also was what was their demise. So it was tricky. Mm, how, were- how so... Well, they were like, Spiro just started booking like, I mean, he booked Aphex Twin in 96 and yeah. apparently Aphex Twin hooked up with his, his girlfriend. <laughs> with his who? If, if what he said is true, Aphex Twin like. Hooked up with his girlfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Earthcore started booking like Regurgitator, Tism. Mm. Um, I Tism, remember. I would have loved to have seen that. Tism at Earthcore was oh, fucking amazing. You're a well. yobbo, you're a wanker. <laughs> that's what the people say. It's so good, They're man. They're fucking amazing. They're so funny. This um, is serious, mum. Yeah, oh my god. They had um, so they had a um, yeah, they had a circus <sighs> tent at Earthcore, and it was just like hip hop and Tism, and I was on the Earthcore forum, and Spiro was like, "Hey, who to book?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, dude, book Orbital, book Propellerheads," and he fucking booked both of them. And I was just like, "Yeah," it's like two of my musical fucking heroes. Um, yeah. And I got to Fire Twelve to Propellerheads. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another interesting fact about that. So at that point, they're like, they started calling it the Earthcore Carnival, and I found out because I did did this on the first town. It's Fuck, I don't even know if I should say this. <laughs> say it. Well, you're halfway say through now. Say it. Where is she? <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> Rachel. Where is she? No, sorry, I just went Batman on you. So. <laughs> I got it. it. The reason why they called it a carnival and they put a fucking jumping castle next to the main floor and put a circus tent up is because carnivals don't need permits. So carnivals 
move around Australia, they pop up really quickly, they're fucking carnies, like they don't have the ability to go through all the planning permits. So they built this thing like 20 or 30 years ago called the Carnival Code, which says, <laughs> says that if you're a carnival, you don't need a permit, you just need to adhere to these like things of the Carnival Code, which is like stopping your music at a certain time, not impacting neighbours, like, you know, yeah, yeah. a couple of basic rules that you have to follow. Um, yeah, and the first town, we, we actually did it under yeah. the Carnival Code. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of these, like, jumping around uh, loopholes to get your sort of event um, across the line. Yeah, which is I, it's something I try to avoid because mm. legitimacy comes with peace of mind. But this was, um, yeah, this was suggested by the council. So it was a legitimate loophole. And I guess the town is quite carnival-esque, you know. Yeah, Any yeah. festival could fall under well, a Well, probably has more merits than a, you Earth know. Earth cool with a jumping castle. <laughs> 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 now beginneth the air Earthcore uh, stories. I love that we're just talking about Earthcore. It's um so like Earthcore um massively shaped me and also scared the absolute fucking shit out of me. Yeah. Cause um yeah, a rest in peace to the organizer. Um Spiro Brasine. Yeah. Um B- big part of my me getting into all of this as well. So this shaped me yeah, as well. And like, you know, when we met, you were doing some stuff with Earthcore and I actually was like, you seem cool, but I, <laughs> I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. Cause I, that's, I was afraid of Earthcore, you know, yeah, like yeah. Um, I was afraid that they'd call up my councils, call up my events and, and sabotage them. And is that sick? Cause I've heard rumors that he did things like that. Oh, he definitely did things like that. You know, they're I not, think he they're did, not rumors at all. He did that with uh, Matreya, I think as well with Lockie. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that as well. <laughs> I know so much and I have to hold back. A yeah, little, there's, you know, there's, there's lines there. Um, but, yeah, he definitely did that um, with Matreya. You know, like some, some, of it wasn't, some of it's not even private. Like there was a point where Spiro was sending out like to his mailing list of 20,000, 30,000 people just like Matreya sabotage. It's just like you open up your Earthcore fucking email and it's just like Matreya at the worst festival. He, and it's like... Uh, like just this rant about like mm. what's happening with Matreya and, and it's just like, oh my God, like you're in a state of psychosis and you're sharing this with like 30,000 people. Like this is fucking, yeah, yeah. and like it's a really like relevant part of the Doof scene that, that, you know, Spiro was kind of like, you know, he was like the gangster of the Doof scene and like he played a really big part. He shaped everyone around him and people changed their behavior. And there were a lot of hectic stories. Um, and, you know, I guess like if you look at deeper into the Doof scene, it's not entirely surprising that such an intense character is behind it. But it was pretty fucking weird too. Like a scene that's pretty loving and community based, inclusive, and, inclusive yeah. and works together, having such a polarizing figure, like, you know, yeah. in, in such a prime position within he, it. Like, he, it was really bizarre. I, I had like stories because, like, a lot of, I think we can all say that he, um, it's like the Earthcore University here. A lot of us graduated from Earthcore University, take, not taking some of the, his, you know, uh, I guess his um, <laughs> outlook and techniques. Techniques. But uh, I, I heard, I heard like, yeah, a lot of people sort of came from his camp. And when they left, it's almost like he got um, spiteful of like, uh, like I remember hanging out with him, like, obviously. Um, and him just going, oh, I told that person that and I did that. And, you know, and he was just so caught up in this, I don't know what he was just caught up in, like this thing. And, like, and then I speak to the other people who were the people he's talking shit to. And they're like, 
they don't even they don't even want to acknowledge it. They don't just, they don't want to be part of the narrative that he's talking about. Like yeah. you know, like my friend, my friend gave me advice, and it's like do not engage because mm. if you have a little bit of energy to engage, he will have twenty times the energy to tear mm. you apart, and he won't stop. Yeah, um, and I yeah I I did a pretty good job at um just being like culture jams over here, earth calls over there. Yeah. We're not going to cross paths, but um, yeah, we did at certain points, and you know, in, in what context? Like, uh, uh, and um, um, you commissioned, he commissioned you to do something, or I mean, like I used to perform at Earthcore, and to his credit, like he paid me, he paid me on a year where he lost a fuckload of money. Mm. Like on the, yeah, you know, on the surface level, you know, my interactions with Earthcore were pretty good, but then, um, yeah, he called me one day and. Actually, no, he didn't. He called me and he didn't answer. Look, I'll just tell the story. He um, he sent an email to a venue that we were both doing a gig at and oh, fuck, I don't even know if I can tell this story. But, yeah, he pretended to be me and tried to sabotage my event um, by writing a fake email that I never wrote and sending it to and suggesting that I was going to be sabotaging his event. You know what? It's cool to talk <laughs> about because, you know, the dude's passed away and there's no obviously like remaining hard feelings. Like that would be insane. So I guess it's kind of, it's, mm. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. And at some point I was like, oh, like I could see the uglier parts of myself. Like I could see if I didn't have really good people around me and I let my ego get to me, you know, because when you run events, you've got a lot of energy you're dealing with good and bad and you mm. can't please everyone and, and, yeah, so there's a bunch of people who started disliking me as mm. well. And I'm like, yeah, if I didn't have my ethics in check, like maybe not that far, but I could see how you could really start not liking people. Yeah. That's probably as much as I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair um, dues. But I think that's a really interesting point that you're saying though as well about like, you know, you are juggling so much within like running a festival like there are so many moving parts so many cogs that contribute to like how it gets run and and all of that sort of stuff as well you, you know what i mean like i know we sort of like branched off from like one particular individual and his like influence on it but you know like it is it is you know it is a balancing act yeah, as yeah, well and, you know and, what i mean and, and everyone's gonna drop balls it's like it's kind of yeah like how many balls do you drop like if you aren't upsetting someone like wow you are running a fucking tight ship yeah. Um, and after the first town, I'm like, yeah, Tommy was like, dude, you know, I feel like maybe like 20% of the crew are pretty upset. And I'm like, okay, like my job is to get that number down. Yeah. Not like, I'll just get rid of it and create utopia. Um, yeah, it's, um, and you got to listen to people and have tough conversations. And um, yeah, I had my crew sit me down at some point and they were all just like, we need to air our grievances because we don't, we're not happy. And if you keep working the way you do, we're all going to leave. And I fucking, I sat there and I took it and I listened and I adapted and yeah. that's kind of the job of a festival organiser is you need to um, you need to be the mediator, you need to be, you know. The leader. Yeah, the leader and like in the true sense of a word where you're, um, yeah, you're, you're making decisions for people and for the greater good, not mm. for yourself. But it's also hard as well because it seems like once you've had, once you've been on that plinth, when you start to fall off it and stuff like that, like it's an immature response to lash out at the other people in your community, so... Yeah, but it's also a pretty natural human response. Like, True. you know, um, not the lashing out, but the um, what's behind it, mm. which is maybe being cynical and jaded. Like, I've got that stuff. I don't, I contain it enough that I don't go around yelling at people. I did yell at someone recently. but <laughs> You haven't lived until you've yelled at someone, I think. <laughs> and like, you know, 
Um, someone's like, I can't imagine you angry. I'm like, yeah, when it does come out, I am fucking furious. Yeah. And it's like, Dude, it's you're happened. channeling years of. <laughs> I noticed it kept happening. Like one person at the town would push me over the edge, and they would just get like just months of like fucking like built up fury. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, thing. like hey, I just want to like I just want to like summarize like yeah, rest in peace, Bureau, and like thanks for all the amazing festivals. Like you know, I think if I'm gonna talk about some of the negatives, quality of someone who's passed away, like yeah, I want to um mm. yeah acknowledge that they brought me a lot of joy and shaped my journey in the scene. Mm. Um, and even if I had to keep my distance from them, yeah, like you know, yeah. respect to their spirit, and I hope uh you know they're, they're in a better they're place. In, they're or in peace. They're in peace. Yeah. And, yeah. It's a, this is the thing, like my fascination with Spiro as well as aside from like him shaping sort of some of my earlier experiences is never really understanding why he had so much, um, gr- I don't know the word gripe, is that the word? Clout. Not clout, no, like why he had so much um, animosity and um, spite, spite for just, and contempt for different um, promoters and organizers. It's like they... Um, took something that, like that he felt maybe was belonged to him, or maybe he liked a part of him, like the game. You know, it's mm. like it's like sounds like if you like wrote his story out, it would be a fucking fascinating story, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like you know, good and bad. It's like um, sometimes like I have to ask myself that, like you know, um, if I'm struggling with like mental health and stuff, I'm like, just like part of me fucking like like the challenge, like like the game, and like you know, mm. um, the drama. Yeah, the drama. I think you can get addicted to drama. And, yeah. you know, I, in my late 20s, I resolved that, the dramatic part of myself. But I reckon in my mid-20s, I was pretty addicted to drama and I fought with people more. And, um, yeah. yeah, I think, like, part of me liked, you know, not the whole of me. The whole of me wanted, you know, the, my conscious wanted peace for sure. But then I think, like, something in my subconscious that was unresolved, like, enjoyed, yeah, got something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's such a thing about being young, though. You know what I mean as well? Like you are more rash, you're more brat. Like, you know, your sense of st- self, I feel like you're always constantly developing your sense of self and stuff like that. Like it's a nonstop journey really. Mm. But like in your early 20s, like, yeah, you definitely did things a lot more like rashly and stuff like that. Yeah, as well. and like you're, you're all pampered and, yeah. you know, like everything's Absolutely. safe in high school and then you okay. get to your 20s and you're like, I'm fucking enlightened. I can do anything. And like yeah. everything's just fucking optimistic and, you know, I – I, in my early 20s, I was just like, I'm going to ignore all the negativity of the world because my job is to bring joy to the motherfucking world. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I think like crashing from that kind of often happens in a bit of a brutal way because mm. you haven't given space to, to understand, um, yeah, the dark side of life. Mm. Getting deep. Getting deep. <laughs> That's what we do here at Surreal Melbourne, baby. Get, 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 get. Yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> we trick boxing the deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, you were you were you were uh, you were rhythmic. I was rhythmic. Yeah, that was a that was a fun time. Um, how is rhythmic? <laughs> how is rhythmic different to trickbox? Uh, what is it? What is it in terms of how you were you rhythmic? You know, like, um, was it just DJ set? Because no, it, no, it was, I wrote my own music, released an album and four EPs. Yeah, rhythmic was like, um, yeah, I re- I wanted to do things different, and it was it was doofy, but I'm like, I wanted to bring this like quirky, fun. Yeah. childlike, playful energy to the doof scene. And um, it started off like a little bit darker, like kind of like um, Danny Elfman who does Tim Burton's score, mm-hmm. had this kind of spooky, quirky vibe. And then um, 
at some point I'm like, oh, I just, I, I don't want to give anyone a bad trip. I just want to write really like happy, fun music, which is an interesting choice. And I think maybe because I had some bad trips, I wanted to, um, yeah, be, maybe I was overly mindful of that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, um, at some point, like, Glitch Hop came into the scene. I was like, oh, fuck, fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, fucking Bass Nectar played at Rainbow and mm. it was just, like, the market floor, which was normally 4-4, was just this, like, fucking heaving mosh pit hip-hop mass and it was just, like, this is a fucking vibe. Like, yeah. you know, like... It landing on the scene so freshly and like Tipper, Tipper was playing at Rainbow a lot of years. Tipper credited to be the the, the king of it. Yeah, in another, he's yeah. from another planet. Um, well, a lot of a lot of um, our now very successful glitch hop uh, Australian producers like Mr. Bill, um, you know, I mean Grouches and uh, OPO, OPO, like a lot of them credit Tipper as their their sort of, you know. Yeah, his sound design is just. Uh, it's it's fucking and his live shows are just so fucking incredible and yeah. and psychedelic and live and um so yeah I started getting influenced by those sounds um mm. and yeah I did some great gigs um I got to play after Oscar um OPO at Winter Solstice in Cairns which was fucking mm. a real highlight gig I've, I've heard of it got yeah. to finally play Rainbow I was like applying for like my goal my dream was to play Rainbow and I sent them a fucking every year and then they offered it to me. One year. That you didn't apply. <laughs> no, well, yeah, that too. But they offered it to me. Um, and then I was going overseas. Um, and I, I turned it down because I'm like, I'm not going to be ready. i got a fire show um, overseas in Malaysia. I'm not going to. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I upset someone because I was just like, you're an idiot. Why would you turn down Rainbow? And yeah. I don't know. I, I think it got taken the wrong way. And that's no discredit to the whole of Rainbow. This was... This was with one particular person yeah, yeah. who I think, um, yeah, got the wrong idea about me. So then, yeah, um, <laughs> I ended up giving up and just being like, fuck it. Like, I'm just not going to apply for Rainbow. I'm going to go to New Zealand. And I put a Facebook post up being like, I'm done applying for Rainbow, getting turned down for like the seventh year in a row. I'm going to go to New Zealand. And then Thad from Rainbow saw it and and was like, put in a good word for me. Or maybe he... He, he was production manager for the whole festival, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I don't know if he was... He, he started... He ended up doing a lot of bookings, but I think someone else was doing bookings. Yeah. He, yeah, fucking legend. I remember he seeing, is such a fucking sweetheart. I remember seeing in the clips and he's like, dude, I saw your post. I put in a good word for you. I'm like, you're a fucking hero because like playing Rainbow was such a milestone for me. And, it, exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What play. stage, what year? Yeah, what time, what were you time. wearing? What, what, what? It was a great slot. It was um the main stage finished and then the sunset stage just opened. Yeah. The first set on the sunset stage and Sunday the sprinklers were cranking yeah Sunday afternoon sprinklers were going and um yeah got to also play um Paula Bad the legend got me a set um in O3 no at the Eclipse Festival oh yeah um, yeah yeah in Cairns and yeah it, which are yeah 2012 yeah amazing life changing experience yeah fucking wild and I think I was pretty booked and Paul's an old friend and I'm like hey dude like <laughs> any chance I can get and I ended up playing on the pirate ship there the moon stage oh that was such was that is on epic, so many great bass acts on that stage epic stage like I remember yeah. walking up and just like Oh, the excitement of seeing this. It was a sunken pirate, pirate ship. So, on two sides. Yeah, so you had the back of the pirate ship, then it was like the illusion of it going into the sand and coming out. And mm. one end was this, um, the mixing desk, one end was a stage. And the, yeah, front of house, yeah. And the sails, you know, all. We're all there, yeah. It was an American it, crew who came over and built it. And 
I was playing it in the morning and I got a whole bottle. I drank a whole fucking bottle of... I'm not a big drinker, but I drank a whole bottle of Agua. And, you know... That'll do it. You know, I was saying before, I like rock star moments. Someone, like, put tape around it and wrote rhythmic on it. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah! Like, I made it, mum. <laughs> um... And, like, I was so drunk by the time I got to the end of my set, I wasn't even mixing tracks. I was just, like, woo, like, just just yelling and just having a great time. And and that was a DJ set, but I played an original. And then when I played an original, like, the whole crowd, like, fucking, you know, like, cheered. And it wasn't a huge crowd, but it was, like, I don't know, that just hit my fucking heart. So I was, like, yes. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I had some really great, great times. Um, my friends were fantastic. They had an ongoing joke. They were always like, rhythmic and like yeah. joking about me being a rock star. Cause like some, I play, after I played at um, Winter Solstice Festival, we went to a hotel and then this chick's like, oh my God, it's the DJ from the festival. And like run up and was just <laughs> like, just like hounding me with love. And then like, I was at Deliverance, another festival telling that story. And then another girl was like, oh my God, are you rhythmic and jumped on me. So like, it became a little bit of an ongoing joke. My friends were always like, oh my God. <laughs> they like, literally at the front of my sets just being like, yeah. oh, my God. And they're, like, you know, like flashing their breasts and throwing panties on stage. And, like, uh, so that was a, a really fun ongoing joke. But, yeah, in the end, um, my kind of creative juices just ended up, like, dying out on that. And I'm like, nothing nothing was coming out. And then um, Ruben Stone. I loop- Shout out to Ruben Stone. Ruben! Yeah. Ruben yeah. Stone. Both uh, collaborated with him. Fucking legend. Legend. Um, we were living in a warehouse in Brunswick and, um, yeah, he moved in. And, and he's a looper. He's a looper. And I had to go in his loop pedal. I'm like, within five minutes, I'm like, I'm fucking done. I'm never writing music on a computer again. Like, it was just everything I was looking for. And I was, you know, I spent a lot of time on computers and it can be quite a draining thing doing art on a computer. Yeah. Um, and to see that you could make music real time and have a thought and it comes out your fingers. Because on music, you've got to move the mouse around and put it in place. And, and, like, the, and the sound doesn't all, you often don't get the sound off the, off the bat. The, yeah, and, and maybe by the time and, you do, your brain's gone somewhere else. So the ability to make music real time blew my fucking mind. And I'm, I, <laughs> I bought a looper and, you know, was just learning like, like how do I, I make a fucking beatbox noise? And my friend came in. He's like, I love just seeing how shit you are right now because I get to see the evolution of this this project. And then Ruben's like, I booked you a gig. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you booked me a gig, dude? Like, I've been doing this for like two weeks. He's like, it's the only way you're gonna learn. So like a month of looping. Um, I played my first gig at Baru. So um, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely got thrown in the deep end and still just kept throwing myself in the deep end. And yeah, like I said earlier, pretty keen now to actually pull back, write some proper stuff, and make make the process a bit easier on yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Played amazing. after Tash Sultana once. That was fucking terrifying. That's uh, as rhythmic or as uh, that was his trick box. Trick box, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was at the town, and then I ran up to Harvey, and I'm just like, dude, I am so fucking nervous because like she was, she, she it was you booked her as well for your main. Uh, yeah, festival. yeah, because I used to have beers with her. Well, I used to go and see her and Ruben Stone on Burke Street and perform, and then I made friends. With, uh, actually made friends with Ruben in maybe like 2014 or 13. He was in front of the state library. He used to play there quite a lot. Yeah. And then that segued into always just loved, loved sitting down on Burke street and just watching these like a buskers, uh, perform. And, you know, she recognized me from just sitting on the steps of that post office building. Cause that's where she, she was next to those two clams. That's where she always performed. Mm. And then she, she goes to festivals and do if she, you know, back in the day. And, 
Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> well, no, she's... Well, unless she's playing, like, in a headline. Yeah, you know, and, like, being <laughs> featured by world. Sony on PlayStation <laughs> games and... For fucking full power to her. From yeah. like, yeah, having, yeah. like, a grungy upbringing and, like, a turbulent, like, teenage years. Teenage years. Basking on Burke Street and, you know, dealing yeah. with all the rawness of the street and now just being one of the biggest artists in the world. Like, yeah, so yeah. fucking boss. And still... You love to say it. Still, like, if you so, listen... I said you love to say it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Someone yeah. go through that journey of adversity and, and, and then just be like, Actually, Absolutely. and she's still herself. Yeah, that's, that's half the magic is like seeing that that mm. you know that evolution Word. real time. Yeah, it's amazing. So like, and she's still very authentic in the music that she makes and stuff like that. Like, I think the <laughs> she rocked up to the town and was just like <laughs> fucking so like hungover, and she's like, I just vomited backstage, like <laughs> full rock stars. But yeah, bringing it back. So, um, you booked a our festivals were two weeks apart. You Yemaya, were, yeah, you were programming for the second stage on Yemaya and bring, bringing station. all that really beautiful diversity. And you had Tash Sultana clothes, and I was there, and it was fucking awesome. And two what weeks, a Monday that was. Two weeks of. Part of me was like, damn, you know what? Like, I thought I fucking got the wild card, but we yeah. both did. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. So we, this was just before she got huge. Like, Yeah, um, yeah she literally, like, at two, a few weeks later after the town, boom. Impossible. There's no way we could have afforded yeah, it. Like, so I called her, like, would probably would have been, like, days after Yamea, so two weeks yeah. after the town, and I'm like, I'll double the fee for next year, and the manager just laughed. He's like, no, you fucking won't. Like... She just, in, that was the exact period. She yeah. just skyrocketed. So, yeah, that was a real blessing to... For both know, of us. Yeah, to yeah. get her, to, get her, like, to have her in this raw, raw moments. Um, mm. And yeah. our friends, Donna and Jill, like, got to shoot her. On yeah, the, I remember, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, man, we were having a... Um, I remember the conversation. I'm at Railway Hotel in the sidebar, and I'm, I'm ordering a beer. And, like, always see Tash there, always, like, you know, wave at her and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, what's up? You know, yeah. And then she's coming up to me and is like, hey, man, you run Doofs, right? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you, I really fucking, like, I love going to Doofs and stuff. Like, festivals, like, it's my jam. And it's like, you run you run Yamaya. I was like, oh, I don't run it, but I'm, I have a, a pretty big, like, uh, like part to play in it. And um, she's like, oh, well, I'd love to pay. Well, I'm like, well, I happen to really like I'm looking for just live music and I can offer you 750 bucks right <laughs> you know, now. I didn't want to say the fee I love that you just went there yeah I, just, I was like I can because because I you need to people need to know like 750 go and ask the yeah, fucking I mean, manager it, what it doesn't cost. exactly matter now does it like no, you know like when she's 20. charging like fucking a hundred thousand dollars yeah yeah I got her for, I got her for a thousand dollars a thousand dollars and like we tried to book and, her and, and the it, manager was like dude she's selling out gigs and I'm like dude like my festival's dude <laughs> dude like, man, bro, man. gnarly bro bro's like bartering bro and he's like dude I'm like bro um, yo do you skate <laughs> um, no but seriously c- c- just like context guys just like before we continue cool what year what, give us a, give us a fifteen. Was the second, second second town, and we would be out to this five years ago. 2017. Two now. Remember that. Twenty seventeen. Seven years ago. Twenty seventeen. Twenty sixteen. Maybe twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. I think. As a second town, and um. And the last year, Maya. And I've lost count because there hasn't been towns for two years. That was yeah. like my metric of yeah, your metric of, of life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but man, like but I, 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 I'm just super curious. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that to now. Like obviously, Tash would be a lot more to book, which oh, is well, like, yeah. Yeah. like a hundred thousand. Like <laughs> even, even I tried to hit her up in the next CMI, and we were like, uh, what is she like twenty grand? 
Nah, yeah. You know, I thought maybe she'd be like 20 grand, but yeah, yeah. maybe she was then, but now she's definitely Full power a to seller. It. Yeah, exactly, man. And like... Man, she sold out Margaret Court Arena and like I think they got more tickets to Margaret Court Arena than any other gig ever. Like, you know, I saw like Sigur Ross in Margaret Court Arena. Like think about, the, think about all the massive acts. Like mm. that is fucking huge. Where and is that, Margaret Margaret Arena? So Margaret Court it's, Arena. It's, it's in the tennis district, so yeah, it's like yeah. Rod Laver Arena. Oh, you're not familiar with the tennis district. Oh, I, I, I know. <laughs> it's I mean, the I've time been of to, year I've as well. To, You've been uh, reading I've on the... <laughs> I've been to High Sense of Rod Laver, into many raves there. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I went to a few as well. Yeah, I went to the... Yeah. Kendrick Lamar, Rod Laver was real good. That's not a rave. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Keep it on topic, please. Hey, yeah, he's yeah. talking Tash Sultana and Margaret no, Court, man. He's, that's that's well, not a rave. One cool thing as well is <laughs> Margaret Court came out and said some really, like, homophobic shit. She was like, a, you know, like, I didn't think gays should get married or some shit like that. I don't, you know what. And they gave her a court? Well, they're they almost going to rename it. They gave her the, yeah, they gave her the court first. Um, but so it was cool having Tash there, who's obviously um, queer. Queer, yeah. And then yeah. Sigur Ross as well. Um, I can't remember the lead singer's name, but he's gay as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, at the end of the concert, they had like massive. Um, Shout out to the rainbow. Yeah, they had a big rainbow. <laughs> big, big fucking beautiful rainbow. Was it easy to chase this time or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I started following it. Security's like, sir, you can't come in here. And then, yeah, we won't. Wow, I just got a really good memory as well. I saw Alt J there. We're going way off raves here. I fucking love Alt J. Alt J. Alt J. It's a it's a band. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah we were in the seats, and I'm like, I fucking need to get down there. And I was like trying to convince the security guard. He's like, No. Nah. I know her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, g- hey, man. A lot of people's yeah. girlfriends are in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wayne's yeah. World reference. Yeah. Anyone who missed that? Um, yeah, and then um, I ran and I found the head of security. I'm like, I fucking absolutely need to be in the mosh pit. I'm missing my favorite band right now to try to convince you. And she's like, Well, if you really need to, and she gave us like two wristbands, we were just like, Yes, and ran down in there, and that was a great time. Also, I'm getting excited now. I just thought of some fun uh, stories involving police, if you're interested. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've been covering all bases, all yeah. the topics. Yeah, we've got three more hours to go here, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good story. I was. Um, Did it happen to a friend of a friend of yours? Friend of a friend of a yep. friend. Yeah. Yep. Um, so friend of a friend. No. So I was, um, <laughs> I was going to a bottle shop. At like one in the one in the morning or something. Was it the Exford in the city? I don't know. No, I was in the middle of like Glen Ferry or something. It was just like Oh, I know that one. That yeah, one. yeah, yeah. It's open late. Yeah, yeah. It was that one. So it's just like, yeah, that one is near the corner of Auburn and Glen Ferry. There's right? just nothing around it, right? Yeah. Oh Maybe it's a different one. This was just like on a side street. It's just like there's like a pub, but then there's the bottle over there and it stays open ages. Mm. Could be. Mm. I, I just remember there was anyway. there was nothing else around. And it was just like, I said to my friend, I'm like, we got our booze and we like cracked a can and started drinking. And I'm like, this would be the perfect place to bust people for drink driving because it's just like, just deserted suburban streets. And it's like, woo! Like the moment I said that, it's like, oh, you fucking serious. So I put my drink down and then like police officer came. He's like, yo, what's going on? I'm like, nothing, just getting some booze and stuff. And he shines his torch in the back and he's like, would you like to explain to me why there is a part of a police car in the back of your van. So we were doing a party at the time called Unusual Suspects, which was a crime. Oh, a cr- yeah, a cr- like the flick. A crime thing yeah, party. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, uh, my friend maybe got it from a scrapyard or something. We had a fucking part of a police, yeah. like the front part of a police car, and he'd ridden instead of um, to protect and serve, to collect and serve. So it's literally <laughs> like the front panel of a cop car in there. And I'm like, um, it's, yeah, cool. So, like, I do theatrical events. It's a prop. Um, can I show you? He's like, yeah, sure. We get out of the car and then I'm, I, like, show him the police thing and there's also a crime wall, you know, like the black and yeah. white stripes. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, 
and it had like decibels on it, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 the dB, 110 dB instead of meters. It was, yeah. you know, because it was for the party. I'm holding it up. I'm like, see, like this is a prop two. It's a crime wall. And he's like, mate, your beer's spilling. I'm holding this crime wall. <laughs> and I look, and I look around and there's just beer pouring out the front of the car. And it's like one in the morning and I'm standing there holding a crime wall with like a police fucking part of a police car in my van and beer spilling out the front. <laughs> and I just looked at him. I'm like, can can I just go? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, just get the fuck out of here. He was like, this is just so funny exactly. that I'm just going to let you it's go. It's so ridiculous. Um, just get the fuck out of here. So I did. And that's my story. Yeah. Well, you weren't, you weren't cooked, you know, like you were just like innocently, you know, yeah, trying, was, trying to run a party with a Yeah, boss. just having a good time and having a beer. And it was Australian as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Dude, that man. is golden. And um, yeah, those are going in the shorts. An- another good one as well. Um, the first town, we had the um the police visit, and I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but I had no shoes on, and I'm like, fuck, like, you know, now if cops came, I'd you know fucking frolic around barefoot and do cartwheels. I wouldn't really give a fuck because you know we've got a good relationship. And but it was the first town, and there was a lot riding on it and a lot to prove. Yeah. And I made a lot of promises, and I had to follow through with them. So I had to present myself in a certain way. I'm like, fuck, I got no shoes and. Um, yeah, I remember running up and oh, I'm like, so, I think I was like, sorry, I just got out of the shower. You know, sorry, I got no shoes on and stuff. He's like, that's cool. That's cool. I'm like, let's go for a little walk. And like, we went for a walk and it was like the universe was just like, I am just going to fucking like make this festival look like fucking Bambi fucking in heaven. And like, there was just like security walk past and they were like ushering someone. They're like, yeah, go this way. And kids were like blowing bubbles and just like, <laughs> I was, I hadn't slept in like two and a half days because it was just like my first ever festival. Like it was just, you know, I yeah. was so sleep deprived and it was just like the perfect most man, like the music at the time was all dreamy and angelic. And then we got to the bar and he's like, okay, we need to see the liquor license and we need to go inside and. I'm like, oh, I don't have any shoes. And then someone runs up and they've just got a pair of shoes. Like, ha, ah! <laughs> put my shoes on and then I go inside. I'm like, cool. So do you want to see all the paperwork? And the cop just looks at me. He's like, you know what, mate? You walk into a place and you just know. I'm like, it's it's right there. I can. He's like, you just know. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck yes. Yeah. Like, you know, like they just come from fucking like spring gnats, like fucking bogan racing. <laughs> Summer gnats, you mean? Summer gnats, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry. And people are fucking bottling bottling each other and fucking like tits and cows and burnouts. You don't fucking like it, then go home, mate. Like, and like they treat the cops like shit there, and then like they yeah. came to this beautiful little utopic wonderland, and like it was fucking so nice. And um, yeah, unfortunately, um, the situation with the neighbors was kind of the polar opposite. It went really fucking bad at the end of the festival. What, what happened? Um, it was an ongoing saga. Um, there was a co-op next to the town. So it was the end of a dirt road, nothing, no properties for ages, but right before the town was, um, like a property with a co-op. So that means. So what's a co-op? Sorry. Um, it's like when a bunch of people go in on land together and they've, uh, they've all got their house on subdivided, the Subdivided, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a hippie concept, but, um. Commune know, in a sense. Yeah. But not hippies. Um, yeah. A mix of, you know, teachers and lawyers and yeah, a yeah, mix yeah. of people. Conservatives. Absolute legends who, you know, the first thing I called my friend up and when I was thrown in the town and I'm like, will, you know, do you reckon I'll be able to get away with this site? Do you reckon I can make it work there? And he's like, John, who runs the site, he'll fucking, he'll be up for it. The neighbours, no. So your job is to convince the neighbours. So first thing I did was went to the neighbours. Um, I told them how it was completely not like another doof that tried to happen there. Oh. Yeah, so I actually like actively modelled myself like away from doofs. And, like, I've seen other promoters do this in a 
a more dodgy way where they're like, oh, no, it's like a lifestyle festival. But then they, they're just using that as a, yeah. as a way to get away with fucking banging Psytrance and that yeah. really pisses people off. So I'm like, I want to I wanna do something that's really not doof and not pounding electronic and and I want to follow through with my words. So it was so important to me to to try to do it right. And um, we had Tom Cosm play uh, on the Saturday night and Tom Tom plays both very chill music and also Psytrance. Yeah, and, um, and genres in between, yeah. It was our first festival and we just hadn't quite worked out the stage manager and, the, you know, how important it is to close the stage because the permit was we could go to 1.30 a.m. And it got to 1.30 a.m. and Tom's like, I've run out of chill music and there's no stage manager telling me to stop. I'm just going to keep playing. And it just got like... So, like, the first town is just, like, going over time and, like, an hour of fucking Psytrance, which you could apparently hear from, like, the campsite, like, way down the road. Um, and I told the council this and they just fucking laughed because they understood. They're like, it was a genuine fucking mistake. Like, it wasn't in malice, like, you know. Mm. Um, and it was just so ironic that it was the worst type of music. So that... Uh, polarized the neighbors. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of people living there that I feel like anything would have set them off. Um, and then they came in on the last night, and um, yeah, it was really shit. They like they tried to get me to sign some stuff on the spot, like, and I'm like, I'm not signing things. Like, this is I'm being cornered here. And then they're like, Well, let's go for a walk and let's go for a walk and hear how it sounds. But they were actually taking me for a walk to like the whole co-op, and I was like surrounded by twelve people and just sleep deprived and by myself and just got like. I just felt like such a fucking failure and like that was my own shit too because I, you know, I, you know, I was taking so much pride in in doing it right and and making it sustainable Mm. and I just like, I just cried and I'm just like, I fucked it, completely fucked it and, you know, that was my shit but on top of that they were being like pretty aggressive. Some of them were, some, some, yeah, there were aggressions at points but it was more just like, yeah, they were, they weren't exactly being like kind about it. Yeah. Um, So then the next day I'm like, fucking in new spirits and they're like me and my friend Katie she's got like this like fucking like I don't know like 1930s like corset on and a white parasol and I'm like let's go fucking visit the neighbours and we went like frolicking around neighbour to neighbour being like hey like let's make peace and um, it was going pretty well and then I got to like the last neighbour and he was just like I was talking to his wife and she was having a go at me and I was kind of listening, kind of rebutting. And then he comes out and he's like, well, fucking like, look at this fucking lying piece of fucking shit. I'm like, mate, like, can we have a chat? He's like, no, fucking all you do is chat. You just fucking, you're a liar. You've got a fucking silver tongue. You're a pit, like just fucking like character assassinating me hard. I'm like, man, do you like, do you, I'm like, right. I'm like, do you really, do you really want, do you, do you want to end the relationship like this? Like, do you want to talk about it? Or do you want to, he's like, fuck you. I'm like, well, fuck you too, man. It's fucking on. Like, fuck you. Like, you're a piece of shit. You've given me fucking hell. You've got no compassion. I'm doing my best here to run a festival. And like, yeah, him and another neighbors, like, they were really fucking horrible, the whole process. And then the next year. Um, you didn't, um, not the same location. Same location. Wow. <laughs> so. how's bite you. To, to, and like, yeah, even more challenging. So the second year. Friday night, about 4, 4.55, so like just before the end of business day, I get an email being like, we've received information that your festival hasn't followed protocols and may not be able to happen like six days before the fucking festival. What about the ticket holders? Well, what about what, the worst? <laughs> like that's Fox, man. Well, the worst thing was um, two months prior to that, um, the site owner and the neighbours had like made this agreement. They'd... Um, gone back and forth they come to what 
they both decided and mediated would be a fair way for the festival to run. And it was signed, it went through council, it was approved, and then someone on the property went against the rest of the co-op and was like, let's fucking, let's find a loophole and sabotage them. Mm. And the loophole was it said in the agreement I had to notify the neighbours within 65 days of the festival, but the agreement didn't come into play. Like it wasn't finalised until like a month before the festival. So that was an impossible, like... We were, we were making that agreement for that very festival. And then they're like, oh, loophole. You so I get this fucking email being like, legal loophole. The town can't, maybe can't happen. And my crew, like we're at second story. We've got like, you know, all the town buildings being built. Um, I had to spend $20,000 that weekend with no ability to talk to the council, no no ability to get any, um, uh, uh, what's the word, security, security yeah. that the event's going to even fucking happen. And, I went to my girlfriend's house. I'm like, I need to at least fuck it. I'm like, you know, um, sometimes I'm like, watch your words. Like words have power. Like don't tell people. I'm like, fucking, this is too much to hold in. So I told my, told my girlfriend, didn't tell my crew, just kept like a straight face. Just like, shit's cool. Everyone like fucking spirits up. We got this. Um, and then I got to Monday. I'm like, I'm driving fucking straight to the council. And um, they were really cool. And, you know, they're like, they they do have a lawyer on their side, but he's not a planning lawyer. And, yeah, it fucking backfired and the festival happened because it was fucking... How did it backfire on the neighbours or...? Yeah, I mean, they went against, like, they went against... An agreement. Their community, against a council, like, they... Yeah. yeah and, like, it actually worked really well because the third year they had nothing. I was just like, that's a good... You know, and this isn't the whole neighbours. This is, this is like some rogue people within the co-op. But they had yeah. to go on a holiday and just like shut their fucking mouth. Like you could send them on a holiday? You like? I didn't fucking send them on a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. I would not pay for their fucking holiday. Maybe the rest of the people that wanted it to happen because, you know, like economically it's like good for the town. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey. No, but like seriously as in like there are like a lot of benefits to like hosting festivals in some of these places, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it, it runs a lot of cash through the area and stuff like yeah. that. And places which a lot of people aren't visiting, you know, yeah. like Benalla's a really cool city. They've got like wall-to-wall, an amazing street art festival. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where my grandmother lived for many years. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've, I've been there many times. It's awesome. You know that rocket ship that's in the park or whatever? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a, yeah, it's been a while. But um, getting back to what I was saying, though, do you know what I mean? Like if you're talking about legality and stuff like that, like looking for loopholes, it's just so annoying because that's exactly what a lot of the law is. It's like someone just being like, oh, but it could be interpreted this way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, the 65 days. But the fact of the matter is is that they knew you were coming back before that do you know what I mean? Before you had the sit-down yeah. agreement, it's sort of like, you know, that 65 days notice or whatever. Like, because you, you threw the town once. This is the second year, right? Yeah, second year. Yeah, and so they knew that you were going to come back. Well, the whole agreement was for yeah. the festival. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess, like, you know, I think it's important to share those stories because, like... People even need to do, know what you're going through. Well, yeah, even when you do things right, like, you're up against so much. And I was saying that earlier, like, you've got to be a little bit fucking unhinged to throw festivals because yeah. even at the best of times, like, you can do everything right and then just chaos will happen. Like, you, yeah. you'll just be dealt the fucking most intense card of your life. Yeah. And it makes you really strong and it teaches you how to, like, rise to challenges and be, like... You know, part of me loves it. Part of me is like, fuck yeah, things are falling apart. Like, the magic. where's the fucking magic? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah kind of like half punk, half like spiritual side of me because I'm just yeah. like, there's the fucking, you can find the universe in those fucking cracks and it will guide you through it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah, but it does take like grit and determination to push through to as push well. Through. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Pressure brings, yeah. builds diamonds. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I could tell all my stories, but um, yeah, I got to respect um, people. Yep. 
So, so then, so just to, just to kind of get like a bit of wrap up of that like story is like, so you, you know, the second year that backfired on them. And then by the third year, you just had no conflict. Like they didn't, they didn't didn't, have any growth. I didn't even think we spoke like there were some lovely people on the property, especially the main guy who was running the co-op. Yeah. Beautiful human. So, Mm. you know, we probably would have invited him to the festival and stuff, but, um, yeah. But those people who caused this quit, it was so good to just be like. Was their main concern noise? Was that just it? It's kind of like the entitlement of um, living at the end of a road in a beautiful valley and expecting you to have that. Serenity. Yeah, but it's just like three days of the year. It's like, well, other people can't enjoy that too. We're a respectable, respectable festival, no rubbish. Yeah. People aren't wandering through their property. Um, look, I'm just going to say it. I feel like a lot of noise complaints are like, Ego. Uh, haven't had sex in a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um. The fun police. Yeah. And it comes from like, it comes from repression. It comes from like a lot. I, I've been there at points in my life where I used to live in a warehouse and we had no fucking walls. And like, sometimes I was fucking like, shut the fuck up. I just want to fucking sleep. I don't want your party. And like. You know, maybe sometimes that was valid, but I think it, it came from at that point in my life, there was particular periods where, like, I was I fucking, like, I wasn't in touch with my shit. Mm. I was frustrated and, like, I think the idea of other people had having fun, like, triggered something in me. Yeah. But it's weird, though, as well, as a, an emotional response. People are like, oh, they're having so much fun. They're really enjoying themselves. Oh, oh, it's not like that for me. And then they just, like, create angst. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because they want you to get... get that's what bullying's all about bringing people down to your level of sadness, right, by making them feel like shit. It's just like, it's like a, it's uh, like defense mechanism. Thing. Thing. Yeah, man. Defense yeah. mechanism. Yeah. Also, if you don't, if they're over there, if you don't take the time to go to the festival and see it and see the beauty. Mm. Acknowledge that, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of hate comes from like the other. It's like they're disrespectful. Big time. They, they don't share the same principles. Like you see it with racism, you see it with immigrants. Like Big it, time. And it's so, how good is it when you go traveling or you broaden your knowledge or you, you know, you talk to someone mm. who has, has, you know, different sexual identity to you and, and you get an insight into their world and you're like, oh, like, and, and your little superficial fucking building blocks yeah. become a lot more fluid and, and real. Yep. I think it's uh, I, listening to this. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Warren something. Warren Child. Like Warren, G. Warren G. Warren <laughs> G. Regulators. Let's hit the east side on LBC. On a mission. Trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hooked up on two one. Anyways, um, yeah. This this psychologist was talking about how. Um, when he does his therapy, he tries to teach people rather than like mediating. Uh, or trying to like solve arguments, it, the best thing that you can do is always try to see the other person's perspective. Mm. And you know, once you, you, and you have to do that almost constantly in every situation. And that allows you, it's like putting, you know, putting yourself in their shoes kind of situation, but it's like, what are they up against? What's their gripe? What's their, you know, um, what's their dilemma that's going on for them? Totally. And, and, and what, what cause, like what, what, what's the full story behind why they act the way they do? Was, you know, what, and, and it, it it, what he was saying is that it really helps um, couples in relationships because that's, that's what he was. He was a couples therapist, but it's so important as well to just in how you approach your life and business deals and negotiations with councils or um, shitty neighbors, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it's like you said, maybe he hasn't had a fuck in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I really try to exercise compassion in yeah. my life, but 
we're all human and some people push you over the line and you're just fucking angry. And, and, and you know what? Natural, there's, natural, there's, it's good to acknowledge that too. Yeah, and there's a line where you have to defend yourself. Yeah, and you and, have to and, bite back. And festivals taught me that. I used to just be like, people pleaser, never want to like upset people. And mm. the first town I was trying to book an international and like, no matter what I did, they were just like, cool, cool. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just got to do this. And I'm like, okay, just kept showing patience and understanding. And then I was like, yo, I'm like, I'm just going to send a fucking email and I might lose my international, even though I've already advertised them. And I was just like, yo, this is fucked. Like I fucking need you to fucking like, just like book the flight. Cause you've been fucking me over 45 days. And she just was like, oh, yep, cool, on it. And I'm like, whoa, like some people actually, res- like they, they respond to arsehole. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't yeah. respond to no. They but there's a difference between being assertive, though, and being an arsehole, and that's the yeah. delicate balance. Yeah, well said. That is the delicate balance. I guess when you're when you're too sensitive, you think assertive is being an asshole, and yeah. that's something I had to learn that being assertive doesn't make Word. you an asshole. I was just you know dramatically being like fuck you. Then I wasn't actually. I was more, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, we know, we know. You you're a diplomat. <laughs> you don't. You strike me as a diplomatic man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, another town. Um, I had to. I, I ended up yelling at someone because they just pushed and pushed and pushed. <laughs> it was actually an international. Um, and I fucking, yeah, and I yelled and then I went to someone, I'm like, whoa, I just told one of my internationals to like go fuck themselves and to pull their fucking head in. Yeah. <laughs> should I go apologize? And they were like, you should absolutely not apologize. That is the fucking worst thing you can do. Like own it. Like true. Like, you know, that actually like, yeah, the, that was valid. And then. What was that, the outcome? The, 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 the other act members came up and they were like, we are so sorry for the way they're acting. And then they apologized and actually sent me a, um, an, yeah, message last year being like, um, yeah, like sorry for, you know, how I acted and I was younger and I was like, cool. Like, you know, I'm sorry that you got the brunt of my anger because it was built up over three days. But, you know, that was really important for me to also own that and be able to communicate that. And yeah, yeah. it was a good, good learning lesson. What's their name? Their name is Shantara. Oh my baby. I I lost my cool at the last Yamaya at a at one of my core team members and and one of the things that like ticked me off is again there was this like it was extremely stressful for me like I I had hives covered in my whole body because I was trying to do too many things within the stage like too don too many hats and. All I was asking for this one guy who said he wanted to help in the like admin side is um, just book a drum kit. That's all you have to do. Book a drum kit. And then on the day of the fest, I was like, hey, <laughs> person, has the drum kit going? <laughs> it's like that. And then what kept on happening was he was just donating his time to other parts of the festival, like while the, during the build when he should have been on my build, you know, and my crew. And he was like, this is, you wanted this role. You wanted to be one of my two ICs. And like I hadn't slept, a stage literally fell f- front because yeah, like you know, this just wasn't hoisted very well, and we had fucking crazy winds during the. I love it. Sorry, I'm just so fascinated by this yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, and, don't, don't and, forget the sandbags. And yeah, uh, you need like more than sandbags. So we had yeah. to get ICBs with like cup, like cup filled with water and shit like that, and no like uh, strap them and to hoist the stage. But it was just a. Uh, during the build that that happened it wasn't that person wasn't like responsible and that happened all while i was off site and you know off site i was back home couldn't even be on site and that those that festival that year we only got the permit last minute so we built that festival in 9 days 
and it was a huge infrastructure and like all credit to the boys like uh, Chris, Dale, Yui and the rest of the team, everyone involved, like they were fucking like animals, you know, just the best of the best of tradies. But um, this one person like at one point I hadn't slept and I was also dealing with a fucking crackhead projectionist, like meth head, like projectionist that I was yeah, like, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he, I disclaimer when I had him in my house and my mate who suggested to like, we get him on was like, Hey man, I know that you have a habit and I'm going to say this very clearly and I'm going to put it in an email. Should you show up in a state that is unacceptable you will get, you won't get paid or you will get reduced pay. Yeah, good for you. I made that very clear. And he, and then it's funny because this guy's dad was trying to, <laughs> to like send me an invoice for that. And I was like, this is exactly what happened. And, and so before I tell you about how I got off, I got really angry at my colleague. So <laughs> this guy rocks up, hasn't slept. His projectors all like in the back and stuff like that. And we're, we're like, you know, we're literally working like around the clock to get the stage like up and ready. Main stage is like fucking smooth sailing because Dale's a great like construction guy. I'm still like trying to do all this stuff like the admin and this. And at one point I need this projectionist to put up this like, you know, 20, 20,000 lumen like projector. We built like this giant box and had to... Yeah, like, I remember saying it actually. It was quite, quite a nice, impressive design. It, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was like a bird box, but... It was great. But, but it was like structurally, it was pretty like, it was very well, like well built, but we're looking for this projection, like two, actually two projectors, sorry, two um, 15,000 lumen projectors and, and then the 20,000 one in the middle, which we got for an insane price because this guy really wanted the gig. You know, and this is where I was just like, I'm banking on you. You know, don't fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Where is he? Nowhere to be found. He's asleep in his car. The back of it, not sorry, he's asleep somewhere else. And the back of his, um, the back of his van is in the, is in the artist area. And it's just open with like all these expensive projectors. And I'm just like, you know what? I just said to Hisham, just grab him. Like grab him. We'll set it up ourselves. You're a projectionist. You know what to do. You know, you're my guy. And it's like, all right. And then he just uh, rocked up and he was literally just methed out of his mind and like, you know, oh, coming in the end. It's like, so that's just one of the things I had to deal with. One of the many things, right? And it's going back to this one guy who didn't hire the drum kit. He just like, oh, just the excuses, the constant excuses. And then I just, something flipped the switch. And I was like, you are full of fucking excuses. And I grabbed a bottle, like uh, a beer bottle, and I just like threw it against the fridge and it just smashed. Oh, and, no. and I just got like really that. And like this guy could fuck me up, right? Like if we got into a fight, like he would totally like, you know, and he's older than me. He's like very muscular. Like he's been in a lot of fights and he's done security and stuff like that. But I just had this breaking point and he just tipped me over the edge. Just like you just had one thing you had to do, yeah. you know, but it wasn't really his fault. Like this, the me arcing up. I just like, no. it, it just broke me in that moment. I've, yeah, I've been there when someone just <clears throat> pushes you over the edge. Mm. It's tricky because like, yeah, we're human, but then you're in, we're in positions where we're trying to, you know, set a tone for how we all yeah. behave and treat each other as well. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I did have to, I have to go back and apologize. And, and then he also apologized, you know, I was like. I, well, was, that can be quite beautiful as well when yeah. things do hit over and then you, you mediate it and you connect. Mm. And like, I, I've had fights with people in my life, housemates, whatever it is. And like, after the fight, you actually get mm. 
You, you form a bond. You, you become stronger. Bond, yeah. It's true. It's like a respect thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it, it definitely happens like in sport and stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? Like people like rival competitors, but then eventually they like chill out and it kind of comes good. It's like Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James. But, mm. you know, to use a sport um, analogy, but do, yeah. but, but do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like that is, there is a beauty in that. Uh, Rocky, there is a beauty uh, in uh, that. Rocky and Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> Bang. Um, yeah, your story reminded me of the first town. I um, <laughs> I'd cut corners and some dude's like, hey, man, I'll bring some, I'll bring your stage truss for a ticket. So I'm like, fuck yeah, save some cash. Like this guy will like bring the foundations of my stage for a ticket. What could possibly go wrong? And like it's the night before the festival and um, – and the guys were setting up the truss and they're like, dude, we don't have the pieces we need. And the guy's like, it's all good, man. I'll go back to Melbourne and get it. So he goes back to <sighs> Melbourne and then it's sunrise. Everyone is asleep. I'm the only person up because I'm, you know, running the festival. And I'm looking around and it's like the festival is nowhere near ready. The stage is on the ground. This is the morning of the festival. Gates opening in, at 9 o'clock, so in like four hours. I'm like, holy fucking shit. I, w- I wish I could say what... A specific detail, but I can't do that because of someone else. But um, we had to, um, yeah, like cordon off the town area and people arrived and it was like town opening at 5 p.m. and we're just like building like crazy. Trust comes back, quickly finished the fucking stage off. Like we didn't actually finish setting up the festival until Saturday about <laughs> 6 p.m. Um, but the vibe was there. <laughs> and we and it that's off. 90% of the battle. And we just pulled it off, like the first yeah. town. Just and that teaches you just go with professional it. operators and fork I out the money. Couldn't afford them, and yeah. you know I've I've had a history of undercharging for my events. Um, yeah. And you know when you undercharge, you've got less money, and money fucking helps and run a festival. Yeah. 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 Um, so you had to learn how to value. You know, the first down was like a hundred bucks for the first round tickets. Like that is so cheap for a three day festival. Cheap yeah. cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, you pay that much to go to a day festival. Yeah. It's like thirty five bucks a day. It just took me time to um because I wanted to build this um brand. Community. community. I, yeah. I wanted to build like something which was participatory, and I'm like, I don't want this to be a commodity. I don't want people to pay so much that they just feel like then they excluded, just get everything excluded from like, this. So I, I was always very conscious of keeping the price down. But um, yeah, but I think that's also in another way a really great way of drawing people in. Yeah, because people would have gone thirty five bucks a day to. Go to a festival, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and, camp and for three days, absolutely. And for the first one, you just want to you want to get that buzz. You want to make absolutely. it work. And yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Get the hype going. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I, I don't think it's that silly. Yeah, it's a balance, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how that goes. It was a good time. Yeah. It was hey, good time. so we only get better by practicing. Yeah, we only well, get better maybe, by doing or, or by failing millions and, and, of times until we. And get something's it. always gained, and something's always lost, right? Like when you look at bands and. You know, you, you hear their first album and it's just fucking like Changing. raw and underproduced and it's fucking magic. And then you hear them 10 years later and it's really polished and like you're like, I kind of love like that they've evolved, but then I miss some of that like grit. And mm. I, I think you could say the same with festivals too. Like there's mm. magic in that chaos. And um, yeah, Kirsten, who I work with, she's brought order, order to Culture Jam. She's like the order queen. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no matter how much order we bring, it's going to be full of chaos. Like your chaos yeah. isn't going fucking anywhere. You know, just just let me let me systemize things. Yeah. And everything else will be completely out of control, I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsty. Um, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> um, so, dude, uh, there's two two things I, I want to talk about here is um, during the lockdown period, you sank a lot of your sort of time into creating a VR app called Propagate Inc. Propagate, yeah. 
Is it ink or just propaganda? We got rid of the ink. Got rid of the ink. propagate. had a nicer touch. Yeah, and you, I mean, walk me through the, why you created that, where the inception of that idea came from and the yep. process and just talk to me about the whole thing. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, for a long time I liked the idea of creating um, an immersive experience in reality. So instead of going to a festival and experiencing all these amazing worlds and ideas, it's like how cool would it be if we could bring some of that magic to the city? Um, yeah, there's some other examples of people doing that. There's a really cool doco called The Institute and it's about this guy who made this six months long real world game and it started off, you pulled tabs off um, a telephone pole and it's like, ring this number if you want to find out about psychic dolphin healing, just all these really weird things and you call the number and then it's like, welcome to the Jejun Institute, please go to level 67 at this address and you got this elevator in San Fran or New York, wherever it was. And there's this whole induction room and this fake organization, which is all about like harnessing dolphin energy and like magical water and all this weird shit. And you go into an induction and it starts, it's like whatever you do, don't open the drawer and you open the drawer and kind of like an escape room, but you didn't pay money for it. You just suddenly found yourself immersed in this alternative mm -hmm. reality and you follow street art and actors. You call a number and suddenly break dancers come and start jiving next to you. And it's just like they, he built this whole world and, and, and filmed it. And I think instead of putting the money into a movie, he's like, let's just put all the money into the game and we'll make a doco about it. Um, and Jason Segel from American Pie. Yeah. <laughs> so he watched this. Um, he watched this and um, was super inspired by it and made a show um, called Dispatches from Elsewhere, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend. So there's there's yeah. examples of this kind of gaming in the world. So yeah. um, I always wanted to. That was some source of inspiration. Huge source of inspiration. So I'm like, I, I kind of want to create. Um, yeah, and I have, I've always had these ideas for social media too, of healthier and more creative ways to use our devices to connect with each other and yep. send each other inspiration and go on missions. And I always like the idea of technology creating real world interactions. So instead of escaping the real world, it's bringing us to like, you know, you go to a cafe and then you find a puzzle there and it's part of this game and you write a letter and, or you gift a meal to someone else and it, all these really tangible real world exchanges. So me, Hera, who you had on your podcast and a friend, Harley, um, it was the point in lockdown where like it was like the Berlin Wall, like half of Brunswick was okay and West Brunswick was in lockdown. Yeah, I remember that. It, but yeah. It's like send out the booze buses and they just like <laughs> shut off districts. Um, so we were walking, it was a real sunny day and we were walking around Brunswick and we're like, let's make a game. And we went around and we like the game could start here and then you could go into this thing and you could find that and we just found all these little nodes and, and started you know, you could see these letters on the wall and rearrange them using augmented reality. I mean, just yeah. started, started brainstorming an, an idea. Um, and we wanted to hit Moreland Council up and propose it to them to get funding. And then lockdown hit and it's like, oh. God. Like, come on. We were just thinking outside the box of like this socially distanced game, which people could do one or in pairs and, you know, we could yeah. stagger it out. And that's some really cool ideas. We were like, we could fucking like, you know, you go and jump in a van and suddenly you're driven around the corner to this warehouse. And, yeah, it was really cool, elaborate thing that never happened. And then um, I was living out in the Dandenongs and I'm like, fuck, now we're in full lockdown. And, yeah, I was hanging out with a, a friend there and I was like, she was about to go up north and I'm like, I want to do something really cute for her. I'm like, maybe I could make a little game where I'll leave a little note at her house and then she follows it to the next one, to the next one, and then it will finish at Navaji Cafe, this awesome little cafe in Upway. And, yeah, I've, and, I've been and, seeing And that. I could pay in advance and, and, you know, gift her like a rose cacao. <laughs> I'm like, wait, Mike, if I could create that game remotely, like maybe, maybe I could create like an immersive experience that works anywhere. Like maybe instead of it needing to be in a location, 
we, we could create a game, like an epiphany moment. We could create a game that works anyway. And I call my friend Harley and I'm like, dude, like I got this fucking idea. Like what if we use street signs as like augmented reality triggers? Cause there's street signs everywhere. So you go to a 40 sign and you scan it on your phone and that will give you a narrative point. Then you've got to find like a mailbox with this number. And like, there's all these um, experience design elements that exist in every suburb. So therefore we could create a game that works anywhere. Um, and Harley's like, fuck yeah, I'm on board. Hera was like, dude, I'm not an Australian citizen. I'm not getting any benefits right now. I need to survive. I can't put my time into something yeah, yeah, for yeah. free right now. Um, and yeah, we started building this game, hit up a friend who um, was a game designer and started building this immersive, yeah, started designing a game to do in lockdown. Um, and then, yeah, friends like was helping doing the pro. We came up with some pretty crazy ideas, like some of them inspired by dispatches from elsewhere. Like you get to a point in the game and, um, you, you scan something and then suddenly we're like, can we get their phone number? Like can we, my mate's like, yeah, we'll have their phone number. I'm like, could we make it? So once you do that thing, your phone rings and he's like, fuck yeah. I'm like, sick, this is so fun. And we're like playing with fucking reality and, and hacking people's phones. And, um, someone was at his house and they were like, what are you working on? And he explained the idea and they're like, I fucking love that. I want to invest in it. So my friend's like, we've got $50,000, um, on the table. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, um, suddenly we had an investor and his eyes are open so wide. I had a little bit of a moral conundrum. <laughs> Who, mine? <laughs> I had a, I'm li active listening. I had a moral <laughs> conundrum cause, um, culture jam's always been independent, never had a sponsor and, um, yeah, yeah I won't say who the investor worked for, but, um, mm. yeah, I had an ethical conundrum whether I was okay accepting their money or not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in the end, my friend's just like, what the shut the fuck up. Like you, you'd be an idiot to say no, especially right now. It's yeah. like, Something like that needs a lot of backing as well. Yeah. And he's just like, dude, ethics are not black and white. And like he, you know, he's like, you can't live in a pipe dream where you're like, this is good and this is bad. It's like, think about all the things we consume and even to make an app and to use the phone. And it's like, yeah. there's so much crossover in good and bad that you can't just isolate isolate them mm, like that. And good lesson there. Yeah, it was a good lesson. And I ended up, um, yeah, committing and getting this investor, which allowed us to level it up and, you know, we were making the app, but we also, you get delivered a box, so a propagate box. And yeah. the narrative is that in 2040, you know, climate change has got worth and the, the world needs um, heroes. So they've sent back this quest in time to help train people and prepare them and, and mm. plant new seeds for the, the world that lies ahead. Um, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I kind of wish we went a little bit more raw and apocalyptic, but like there was a lot of trauma going on at the time. And I'm like, Do, is that really appropriate to, yeah. to just like go further on that. So we kept yeah, it pretty yeah. light and accessible. Um, still has those concepts in them, but it's, you know, kind of like mm. presented in quite a fun and sometimes fluffy way and kind of like, like an escape room yeah. for the it, real world. And incredibly topical. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like climate change. Relevant. Everyone's like really concerned about the environment. And so like well, a dystopian future like that. Yeah, but every, you, not not, not everyone. You're you right. Mean, not everyone. But I mean, like everyone that matters. I don't mean that everyone as a that, joke. Yeah, you know, everyone that like, matters. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. But, if, <laughs> but if, do, do you know what I'm saying in terms of like? I think that that's like, you know, it almost makes it like more better, more powerful. That it is more accessible in that way. But also that like it also I love it because it is rooted in sort of like you know this could actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I love that future projection of kind of being like you know. I, 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 it's like a big hypothesis about what could be. Well, one of the, the narratives was um, 
Yeah, the kind of the hidden back narrative was that we all get chips in our brain Mm -hmm. and then someone, because I had this idea for a movie, we get chips in our brain and then someone sets off a virus. Like imagine like a a computer virus, but it's a virus for our chips. Mm. Um, And that basically everyone goes offline, but everyone's become so addicted to technology that we've forgotten how to navigate and communicate and write and all these skills which we've given away to technology were kind of de-evolved and mm. yeah, the idea of the game was to train people, you know, like just to know where they are, to know where their friends live. Like do, yeah. you know, do we know our friends' numbers anymore? If you're in an emergency, we never phone, like, you know, how many friends could you really call at that point? So we, we've given away a lot of our um, survival instincts to technology. Yep. That's like that, uh, it's kind of like, you know, Elon Musk is doing Neuralink, which sounds like fucking incredible and fascinating, but it's like, what if it can be hacked? Mm. Then you just render like anyone who's got it just disabled because apparently it's, you know, he promises that this, have you guys heard of Neuralink just to begin with? Putting, yeah, it sounds like it's, the classic. It's kind of like a chip in the back of your head that can actually uh, help, like what Elon wants to do with it is actually quite honorable. Like he wants to help advance the human race, like help you know, uh, people with disabilities <laughs> sounds, and stuff, oh, like re- recreate like the nerve, you know, any nerve damage that you've had, this I, thing. I just feel like any super villain like begins with like, I want to help the human race. Yeah, and it's just ultra, like, ultra, ultra, <laughs> ultra, ultra. And, and a lot of apocalyptic stories are like science experiments gone wrong, Skynet, yeah. you know, like it's all like, yeah, all like, you know. I've read a great one in, um, in lockdown, Hera. I keep mentioning Hera, love Hera, such an inspiration. Yeah, she's such a fascinating person. So fascinating. Like, yeah, check out Heroine's art and just mm. everything she does. Is and check check back the back, go oh, yeah, back check to the, the episode as well. Yeah. yeah, I did listen to that podcast. It's a really great listen and, and just mm. to get an insight into her brain because she sees the world so uniquely. Uh, but Unlike yeah, she, anyone I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah. Her, and her art reflects that. Um, but, yeah, she gave me a book um, called The Mad Adam Trilogy and fucking so good. Come here, man. Oh, Bring it in. Oh. <laughs> Such a good read. Shout out to Margaret Atwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Margaret Atwood who did... Um, She's write a Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I read that book in high school. That was one of our core readings for like... I do remember English. I posted it on Facebook and yeah. you commented about that. So that, funny, uh, that book at the same time. Like it has like a dark, such a dark sense of humor. Mm, but so but like, bleak. You know, a, a reason why I thought of that is because you've got one protagonist, well not protagonist, Jimmy? antagonist... The, the guy the snowman. who the guy who ruins the the planet. Um, it's just yeah, like, Craig. You know, we do have these scenarios now where you've got people with so much power, and like you know, Elon Musk is kind of interesting because he does really cool shit and he's philanthropic as well. But like, mm. still, like that much power on on a single person is fucking crazy. Um, Money, yeah. It's amazing, like like just billionaires and and tech moguls, and it's like yeah. Richard Branson and like. Well, no, well, I, think, uh, I think they I think they've surpassed Richard Branson yeah, as far as like they probably would have. Like but we're I mean, talking like about Jeff Bezos style, yeah, like Musk. Musk and stuff, like Gates. people with huge huge power to shape the future. And like, what happens as we head into more uncertain futures? Like, surely they'll start offering solutions. And like, are the solutions in the best interest of humanity or? Do they have vested interests? As everyone does. Like, is there anyone on the planet who doesn't act with vested interests? Even when you're a really good, sweet person, like, mm. you still have your own cognitive bias. So, like, yeah. you know, as we head into uncertain times, like, it's, it's fucking weird that it's shifted away from governments in a way. And to private. Yeah. I mean, it was already shifting, like... Uh, and you tech know, giants. Uh, you know, imperial Google. colonialism is basically corporate, um, you know. 
is this corporate influence over over uh, over governments having so much money that they can you know lobby against uh, legislation so do, as well we've that, seen well that, cigarette companies. Yeah. That's that's the big thing as well with like destroying the environment and stuff like that as well. What happens when big business supersedes what the people want? Or even just you know has, what I mean? even yeah. has more. What happens in that instance? Or has enough and power more, to fight a government. Mm. And the other way too, if the people demand something enough, the businesses have to listen. Ideally, it, we are the yeah. consumers. But it does happen. Like it does. Like you know, it works with products. I think a lot of like you know, with the big fast food chain and like a bunch of different corporations, like who've put out like harm, either harmful product or things that have like destroyed nature. You can now get a salad at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Global warming is going to be all right. <laughs> Just to swing it back on topic, like, you know, one thought I had is, is like if, if the world is slowly, we're fucking destroying the planet and we live in this capitalistic system, like when we look at festivals, like do, should should we just have these spaces where we can do whatever we want and take drugs and just fucking be reckless and be animals? Or, like, do we have a responsibility as a subculture to be like, no, like, consumption is what is fucking ruining the planet. Mm. If we are uh, an alternative community, we should be exploring better alternatives. We should be more mindful. We should be aiming for sustainability. And, like, I am in the latter camp and, like, one of the reasons we talked at the start how I sit outside of festivals is because, like, a lot of festivals are way too fucking hedonistic for me. Yeah. Like, I've, you know, even just some of the shit I've talked about in this podcast. Yeah, I, you've been there as a punter. Yeah, and I've been a punk and I've had a good time and I've been, you know, but, you know, I like to think... <laughs> I, like to, I was about to be like, I like to think I've been sensible and I think of some of the reckless shit I've done. I'm like, okay, maybe not. But like where I am at this point in my life, like I really care about building spaces which like, you know, we're not saving the fucking planet but it's like in our hearts, it's like we're fucking, we're opening ourselves up that there are better ways to do things. And even if the world's fucking ending, how we act matters and how we gather matters and how we treat the planet and ourselves, it's also symbiotic and I really feel like festivals need to needs a strong word. I really feel like they should, you know, be spaces that can hold that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I I have no interest in just going and just getting fucking high as fuck and just, like, you know, seeing everyone around me completely munted and waste on the floor. It's like that breaks my fucking heart. Like, that is, like, mirroring the worst parts of humanity, in my opinion. Because everyone's just using that as a, it's a self-destructive behaviour, you know? It's, it's, it's an escapism form. I mean, we all like to, you know... We all like to cut loose sometimes, but there's definitely this moment where, you know, uh, f- for me, playing at a lot of different festivals and de- like DJing and different things, like I get to, I'm not always like drunk or, you know, not always just like on, I'm, most of the time I'm actually just sober and just try to find those little experiences that I was saying earlier that are just like novel and try to create memories that are uh, centered around just um interacting with people rather than just constantly being on the dance floor. Yeah. Like I see the dance floors as a way to get into like the trance dance experience, not necessarily with the music trance, like as a genre, but just as the, as a meditative process, you know, cause that's, that to me is what that dance floor should represent is a, an ability to sort of dance your sort of sorrows away. But when you see just absolute, you know, there's a line. Well, dancing is freedom of expression, right? Uh, like well, it's a pure and that's, freedom of expression. And when you see it, Working in a harmonious way, like a dance floor that's just like throbbing with the same energy. Like you were saying, yeah. and it's like, you know, that's that's something special. That yeah. truly is. Yeah. And just like and wheeling back as well, I wanted to say as well, like the whole like Westworld thing you were talking about, about like, you know, creating a space where humans can like live out their own desires and stuff like that. 
you know, like, uh, like digitally and like how dangerous that actually is. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like, well, I mean, it's, it's just a really hard talking point because in one way it's like, is that going to be able to let people exercise those thoughts and feelings by doing them like that? Or will it like promote it? and then, like, seep into the real world that it is... Well, is it, yeah, it, does it go past a point where you're escaping escapism and missing out on the real world? And that's yeah. Kind of, that's kind of in all this stuff, isn't it? Like, Facebook parties, like, technology. It's like, you know, we deserve the right to, like, to be free, to experience all these beautiful things, but then once it crosses a threshold and we start to get addicted, we're not just connecting with friends on Facebook, we're, like, chasing likes and we're addicted. We're not just going to parties mm. to explore our freedom to dance. We're, 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 we're like, chasing we're, dopamine. We're running away from our shadows, you know, I would say, yeah. is when it, it gets dangerous as well. It's when it becomes disingenuous. You're telling yourself lies in order to fill. Yeah. Avoid. Yeah. Yeah, and which we all do. And, like, I need to check myself and make sure I'm not being judgmental on the scene. Um, That's because you become jaded. You yeah, start you to become have... jaded and I go to Dorfs and I'm like, ugh, and I'm like, wait, like, is this really that bad or am I just actually, like, I've had traumatic experiences around the Dorf scene and I, it's not good for me. But then when I was younger, this was fucking heaven. Um, but, you know, I try to focus on the good, which is, like, you know, what do I really care about? How, how do I know how to craft an environment in a way which is, like, beautiful and safe and holistic? And there's a little bit of both because I do go to other gigs and sometimes I'm being a little bit too jaded and I need to just chat to people and loosen up. Mm. Other times I'm like, I, I craft those environments and I know them well and I see some of the shortcomings. I'm like, that's dangerous. That's, that's bad programming. You haven't had your audience sleep for two days or, like, mm. you've just been banging them with psytrance. Like, that's... And I can see the effects of it. It's like... I can't objectively say those things are bad. I'm sure there's festivals in Europe that go all night and by the morning they're on fucking like fire and it's just fucking, I'm just picturing a bunch of Israelis. Seven just, days, 24 hours. You know when you hours. see those footage of side rounds parties? And the just Israeli like, flags. It's and like the, 160 BPM and they're just so vibed up. It's just so good and it's such yeah. good energy. It's different in Europe. I find they're just much more connected to trans dance. As, as an experience, I think here in Australia... We go hard in Australia too. We have this trashy element, man, which I love. I love the fun, the humour that Australians bring, you know, like yeah. your, your cop car stories. Laconic. It's like, yeah, yeah. Take the piss out of your mates. Like, just laugh you know, at everything, I really. like going to Europe, naked, I kind naked of... Naked guy at Rainbow. The helicopter dick guy that was always there at main stage. Man, he's <laughs> literally there every year. And me and my mates would always just be like, it's helicopter dick again. And he's okay, down wait. the front, side chance blaring. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. It's so funny. Okay, so... Just like I have to tell this story. So Rainbow Serpent playground stage Sunday night. <laughs> um, it's the hip-hop session, so everyone's just, you know, getting down to hip-hop. And then, like, these two guys, like, start fighting. I think one of them was the naked guy, and they start, like, getting all masculine, and then, like, in the middle of the fight, one of the guys starts blowing the other guy, like, on the fucking stage, like, in the, Big. In the middle of the hip-hop session. It's not even that funny. And the crowd went wild? And, and then the MC's like, yo, 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 and he started saying, I don't know. I don't know why that brings me so much joy, but it does. Like I got a big fucking smile on my face. Hey, blowjobs rock, man. Yeah, fucking free, free the free the blowjob. I don't know. Hash, hashtag free hashtag the nutsack. Hashtag Joe Blow. Uh, that, that's the, that's wild though, man. That's wild. absolutely wild. What's the, what's the craziest shit you guys have seen at a party? We once met a guy that could suck his own dick. Why did this come back to sucking? Because it was fucking crazy, man. We were just like... He just sucked his dick on the dance floor. Yeah. Wow. And it was funny because he had this, like, candy necklace loincloth thing that he was, like, wearing... 
And we all started gagging with him, and it was it was. We all it was, started gagging. Yeah, we were just like laughing with him, just being like, "Oh yeah." And then like one of my girlfriend, like well, not like you know a girl that is my friend, um, she just like went down and just like started like chewing the candy off the fucking thing. <laughs> and we were all just like, oh. anyway, it was fucking gags. But like, yeah, and then and then and then like obviously she just did it once as like a quick joke, and then um, yeah, it turns out that um, he can suck his own dick. I tell you, I tell you something non-dick that, related that I've seen. That Actually, that's really crazy. There you go, you go, you go. I want to go non-dick related. I just like. Because instantly, like, coming off the back of the, 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 the playground parties, BJ. Like, do, do people just, just get high and suck it? <laughs> Wait, will you see all those big orgy scenes in, like, True Blood and shit like that? People are, like, sucking on them. Yeah. Damn, man, it happens, man. It happens. Maybe uh-huh. market floor, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, like, berserk, blowy story from playground stage, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a festival, 100%, were these dudes that had made a pulley system <laughs> out of like fishing rods? Mm. So like it just like like they 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 <laughs> so what they they had this strategy and they're like fully telling me about it about how what they do is is they'd like send the other end of the line out to another part of the dance floor and then they could like pass drinks between two different oh, eskies and stuff like that and so like what they do is, is they'd send their mate out there and he'd like be like oh yeah it's a vibe or like whatever and then they'd pass like notes and stuff like That's between it. them as well and do shit like that but we we got involved they, 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 we got involved in their pulley system and so like one of my favourite things to do is to take like a cocktail making setup, and no one fucking expects it man like you just go down there and you're like making Cosmopolitans or like salted caramel yeah. spreads so martinis yeah. and everyone's just like, how the fuck? I'm like, yeah, I pre-chopped the limes at the campsite, all right, and I brought them here in a bag. Like, but you anyway, are a genius. <laughs> yeah, whoa, <laughs> like that moment. But like, um, man, and so like, we just started sending drinks <laughs> between these people and stuff, and like, yeah, we just ended up making friends with them, and like, it was a really good time, just like trying each other's drinks. Be like, oh, this one's champagne, yeah, nice, man, nice. And so then like, we'd all finish it and like share oh, it around beautiful. amongst a group of people, and then we're like, oh, what do you think about this? And like, it's just, it's just a beer, and he'd be like, oh, that's what I. Want it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. That's fantastic. We were going to do that at the town that didn't happen. We were going to um, yeah, get a fishing line from the balcony going all the way over to the dance floor so you can hoist hoist over fucking Perfect. little presents and little good things. I think one of the coolest things I've ever seen is uh, Mighty Daniels Festival Couch. I mean, that the first time I saw that, which is, you remember Mighty Daniels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Festival, the Festival Couch. Couch. Like, that just blew my mind. This was like Matreya 212, uh, 211 maybe. Uh, and you know it's a fucking motorized couch. Oh, I've seen that couch. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. <laughs> DJed on it, and I was like, I feel like this is a dream come true. I'm actually DJing in a, on a moving couch while people are following us and dancing, <laughs> and it's like, what an experience! Like, it's to, such a festival thing for like, yeah, for how no, quickly normalized things become in fact. Like, and anything goes in a festival environment. Yeah, you know, someone's just, just riding around on a couch and DJing. You're like, cool. Like, this is this is the intrigue yeah. and the romance that I have. Uh, towards festival is that there are some cool like it'd be some guy who's an engineer you know and like he'll have some crazy thing like one of um, our riggers from Yamaya Graham Austin I mean this guy just built fucking flamethrower things in his thing he's into like you know twirling yeah, Gra- and stuff Graham's like our go to rigger as well yeah yeah and he's just like a mad scientist he's like oh yeah I just built my own CNC machine or like oh yeah I made my own flamethrowers and he's got like a thing yeah those those when you're like doing themed events like those people are just like the gold. absolute fucking gold that- and we had another guy named um, Tom from UK who was lovely and just mm-hmm. like um, uh, um, electrical engineer and he was doing things like we had a chandelier above the dance floor. He's like, cool, I can make it swing back and forth and the the lampshades, the street lights, sorry, go on and off in time with the music. And yeah. um, Graham as well, Graham built like railroads so they, you know, the stage was a um, train track and yeah. 
the railroads actually ding, 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 like came up and lights were flashing and people looking, you've got a crazy idea. They also rigged phones. So we, um, we had Tom like rig telephones and you pick up a phone at the party and like dial number six and, you know, suddenly he's got a clue and it's like that clue is part of like a giant quest and stuff and you run around and find the other telephones. <laughs> and Tom sent Jack, um, who I do festivals with, and the other Tom, they were just going around dragon dreaming with a battery. It was like an old school telephone, like a 50s telephone. Yeah. And it had Alan Watts on it. So they're just like going out to people and like, yo, yo, I remember this. Alan Watts wants to speak to you and they're just putting and like, you know, Alan Watts philosophically just like whispering, yeah. whispering in your ear out of a 50s telephone. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, just like I love, yeah, I froth on ideas and then having people around that can bring ideas to life, like that is just like that is the magic of a festival. And then they link up, you know, like Tom's building these phones and then had this girl Tashka come down from Brisbane to the town and she does Quest. She's like, what? Like we can we can rig the phones and suddenly Friday night at the festival, they're sitting in a room together recording things for the Quest and just having like I was running around busy as fuck but just seeing that joy. Like Tom's got this ridiculous voice and he's like, you can do this. You're a strong man. (laughs) He's he's recording that on the phone and it's part of the quest and like all these brilliant minds. And like, I really love, um, yeah, the idea of like the essence of a festival just being the sum of like so many brilliant minds that the juju and the juice you end up with, like there's no way one person could even get close to it. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a kaleidoscope of humanity in like the best possible way, man. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it, it, it truly is. And, like, you know, I think that, like, that's a big thing as well, like, you know, in terms of, like, pushing the envelope because, you know, it's and it's happening a lot more now, but, like, you know, obviously fanta- fantasy themes and, like, stuff like that, but, like, bringing that stuff to life, you know what I mean? It's, like, become, like, really paramount, you know what I mean, in terms of, like, really pushing the envelope because, like, we've, we've, we've had art now. For a long period of time, do you know what I mean? And like it, it's evolution yeah. over time, and then now we've reached this like pinnacle where we're like pushing the boundary. So like things that are sci-fi, things that are like we're trying to make that. You know, it's like cosplay becoming really popular, yeah. like bringing anime characters back to life. Do you know what I mean? Like thing. taking like big concepts and just like pushing it and like bringing it yeah. alive. Like you know, and and and, and you guys are I mean, talking about it, like you know, designing stages. It's it's not just like. It's not, you know, like the lighting, all the all the different like aspects of it. It's multidimensional. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, for sure. And just going back to that point, like um, the one thing I've read before is like that we've moved from a consumer culture into an experience culture. Yeah. So you know, if you look at it on like Instagram, like it's a little bit of a superficial way to track it, but I think it's relevant. Of like people used to like post their food and post what they're wearing and then it's like it got to a point where it's like nah people aren't so I'm here so interested in the superficial yeah. so then it's like hey like I'm fucking van lifing and um like these are really superficial explanations no, but, no, I think but it's like super relevant I do think it's relevant as well collective conscious sense of like moving from consuming to experience and my thought is that we need to move then from experiencing to gifting yeah. Because, like, experience is fucking beautiful, but, like, it still can be centred around the self. Yeah. Like, it can also be centred around people doing things together. But, like, once you move to, like, gifting and giving, not in a superficial way of, like, hey, check it out, Instagram, I'm giving this. Yeah. Word, word, no, in true a very, altruism. A very yes. authentic way. Like, what it, else fills your cup up? Like, what, what, what possibly can make you more happy than giving? Absolutely, man. But it's, like, if you explore, like, about the need for more immersion in regular reality like real life and it's kind of like you know dark mofo festival mm-hmm. the whole city they got in trouble just gets transformed into like do you know what i mean like 
And that's amazing. Like mm. that dark, dark mofo, like I was blown away. I'm like, wait. There is I don't know much about it. I've heard of it. So well, you guys have to school. It's a dark art festival. Yeah. So, like I just found that fascinating coming from Melbourne being like Hobart major festival is centered around dark art. It's yeah. Like, th- that fascinates me that like uh, collectively people are like coming around that. Um, and I think like Melbourne traditional festivals are like, I think like fucking like carols by candlelight and shit like that. <laughs> like, you know, we started getting white nights and we started slowly pushing the envelope, but like, you know, mm. imagine in the middle of winter, a dark art festival in the whole of Melbourne. And it's just like provocative and raw and boundary pushing. Like that would be pretty fucking surreal. True up. It's a real Melbourne. I know, I was going to drop it. <laughs> what, what, what were you saying though before you like, like the they got in trouble? Already. You said like they got in trouble. Oh, uh, yeah, it's not a fun story. Um, Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's fun yeah. though. Um, yeah, they they got this really controversial artist. <laughs> like you look at his back history and I can laugh about this because I'm fucking Jewish. But like he... <laughs> He did an immersive experience, which was like recreating a fucking gas chamber in a synagogue. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe there's something really powerful. Obviously the synagogue consented and stuff, but like he's, he's there to really create provocative experiences. Well, maybe like the whole point was to try and capture the struggle and the the darkness that, you know, someone would have had to endure in a concentration camp. Yeah. And to, to really, I mean, and even I've been to Auschwitz, it's like going going there does that. Um, you had you you once told me about experiences about that. If you're comfortable talking about you know when you visited, like it was a very important thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost um a lot of my family, um you know my extended family. My, all my grandma's grandpa lost their family there. Um, but um yeah. So for Dark Mofo, he um wanted to get he put a call out for Indigenous or Dark Mofo actually did the call out, and they're like anyone of um Indigenous um descent in any country, not just Australian, we want, we want your blood. Like we want to get your blood and then we're going to put it in um, a, a fucking bucket <laughs> and then um, dunk the, an Indigenous, I think it was an Indigenous, no, it was the Australian flag, mm. I think. Yeah, so it was the Australian flag. The bluest, the, the, yeah, yeah, so, the colonial flag. Exactly. So it's like, you know, the country is soaked on you know, the blood. Of um, yeah. Now, like, you, you know, I don't, I don't think it's worth us, us, us unpacking um, whether that's... Um, but, but I think what he's trying to say... Oh, like, I just want to know what but happened. That's but, all, but, yeah. but, but, but no, but it can go multiple ways. And this is the beauty about art because he references Indigenous, you instantly think the First Nations people, but you also referenced that it was yeah. Indigenous from all over yeah, the world. I, so, I, like, that, I, that could be, like, all different cultures of, like... Fr- I had a friend from Singapore know? who was like, fuck, yeah, I can, I can do this. And she was, keen yeah. as fuck, she was keen as fuck to donate her blood um, and be a part of it. But... Super tribal. Um, you know, <laughs> it's 2021 and it's like, um, yeah, I feel like in 2020 and 2021, that almost felt, felt like peak reactivity and, and political correctness. And I, I absolutely don't think we should go down a path pathway of w- what's right and what's wrong there. But um, it was a it was a bold move by an art organisation, which is notorious for bold moves. But even correct, then, they had to check themselves and come out and apologise. And the artist was like, "Fuck, you didn't quite get it." And fine, I'm fucking going back home. Um, yeah, you could spend a whole fucking podcast talking about it, and you probably you know well, you should have indigenous people there to actually you know yeah. get that perspective. But yeah. Fascinating. Like I found that fascinating watching and you know, I have to watch my content and I've been called out numerous times 
Sometimes appropriately, sometimes fucking totally inappropriately. In what way, what what content are we talking about? Just like the just, events? Or? Yeah, just running the town and people like, you can't do this, you can't do that, I'm going to protest you, um, you know, you're a cis white male. Da, 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 da. That actually like, happened to you? Uh, yeah, Has fucking hell, yeah. It's caused me a lot of anxiety and, and um, yeah, um, I've really tried my best to listen and I've learned a fuckload and some people are really good at teaching. Some yeah. people are really good at... And some people just attack you. Yeah, and some people exactly are really good at just like... like don't... Like, offer, me, offer me something constructive. Like, teach me. I don't yeah. know. You know, don't fucking shoot me down and I can just say that. I'm just... Yeah, and there's lines. Some people are like, dude, come on, pull it together. Like, you've crossed the line. But like... When it's petty, I feel like sometimes there's pettier things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, like internet trolls just, like, doing it just just cause. Well, like, you know, one year at the town, for example, like, we wanted to, we did a protest off. We did um, vaccinations against Psytrance. Um, <laughs> and then we're like, let's do a protest off. And I did a call out. I'm like, oh, I really want, um, I really want some really, like, you know, shitty Psytrance, like, white marquee Ganesh banners. And someone's like, you're a cultural, you know, fuck you, you're cultural appropriating. I'm like... Well, that's what the scene's doing. No, no, we're like, we're parodying it and like, yeah, but you're still a bunch of white people. And it's like, I don't know. At that point, it's like, you know, like, is this, is this really constructive to just like, and it's, it was often the same offenders who were shooting me down. And um, I had this really, really great moment because, you know, I kept getting pigeonholed as this cis white male and I'd come from a warehouse party and um. <laughs> I don't even know what cis means. Um, just, you just got like feminine qualities kind of thing, but like uh, it's... Cis, cis, cis is heterosexual, I believe. Oh, not feminine, so it's heterosexual. Yeah. You're a heterosexual male. But she never asked. Oh, I thought it was the other way. My bad. Um, hey, I'm learning something today. Anyway, yeah, came from the warehouse party, super high in MDMA. My good friend Aiden's there and he's like, Mickey, kiss me. And I leant right in front of her and just fucking stuck my tongue down Aiden's throat. And I was just like, yes, it's like... Don't put me in a motherfucking box. box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah, full power to the PC movement. Like, it's super important. I've learned a lot from it. But, like... It can be extreme. Yeah, it can be extreme. And, like, and now I feel like we're in a time, um, yeah, where people we... People pushing back. Well, we just need to, like, try to avoid binaries so much. And we're all in this together and we're all learning and we mm. all need to, like, be accountable. But not... I believe in, like, accountability in a way where it's, like, you don't feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. Because, like, I think if you feel like you hate yourself... And you're just like, I, I fucked up and I'm a failure. It's like, I don't think it's good accountability. Like, I think you need to, like, you know, hold people accountable while being, I feel like compassion is missing. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. Love but it's about not shutting down, like, good discussions as well. That's do you know it. what I mean? Like, we, we've still got to be able to talk about the tough issues yep. and be able to do that with a sense of clarity. And also, you know, like, it, it's hard because, like, you know, people get too upset sometimes and it, sometimes it shuts down the fact that we can even have the conversation. And I, and I think that, like, you know, it's important to be able to talk about things, like, openly. And Absolutely. Like, and that's why I love comedy as well. Yeah. Mm. It can be a really good way to get some of the tougher stuff out. Absolutely. I mean, like, we, even us, you know, we're talking about serious topics, but we always delve back into comedy to sort of, like, you know, but, like... Lighten the energy yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, like, it's... You know, yeah, comedy does have definitely have that power. And I was I was talking about it with Papa, like, just before we were eating dinner. We were talking about how, it, like, it really is a vehicle to be able to talk about a lot tougher topics because people laugh first and then they go, huh, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, and it's always that moment after the laughter when they go, oh, actually, no, I think about that a bit more. There's, there's funny, a, but also... 
there's this, um, turning. I don't know which comedian I listened to recently was like, it's, you know, <laughs> as comedians, it's so important to be able to joke about dark, like dark, some subjects sometimes, because this is how we make, we're not making like fun or trying to ridicule or reduce the importance of this dark event that's happened, but it allows us, the comedy allows us to catharsize and, and sort of uplift in a way, even though the, the way the delivery can be just perceived as like, oh, you know, it's like that, that guy went there. You know? Yeah. I mean, look at, like, you know, I, I'd argue, like, 1984, um, Margaret Atwood's, like, Handmaid's Tale, like, very bleak. dark. Very and, bleak, very and dark. I, I've seen PC analysis of, like, you know, and I can't, I can't generalise, but I have seen some people, like, attack 1984 from a feminist angle. It's like... It's not, it's not pro these things. It is the most horrible conceivable reality yeah. possible. And within that, yeah, he's having these like very like undesirable thoughts. But you know what? Like I have fucked up thoughts. Like I fucking, I suffer OCD and I have really bad thoughts. And like when you have like bad thoughts, you hate yourself for it. Yeah. And I don't think it's a good thing you to be like. You feel guilty for having those abs- thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. What, we don't want a society where we're repressing our thoughts. That's when people actually, that energy, it gives it power. Like I, we can't place. just give ourselves free passes to be like fucking, you know, animals and do whatever we want. But we also need to like be real and be, t- be real about what's going on down there and have real conversations. And that's yeah. a part of love, acknowledging someone's flaws for what they are, but then loving them or helping them build and grow as they go along as well. But like, you know, that's, it's a part of loving someone. Absolutely. And like, it's so beautiful. Loving anything. So beautiful when you can like share very raw parts of yourself and and be heard and be seen and like. Strength and um, vulnerability. I love both. I love like, you know, I love the, like, you know, the ethics behind the PC movement. And I love feeling safe around my friends to be able to be fucked up and joke about fucked up shit. And it's not a free pass that is big, you know, inconsiderate. It's actually yeah. just like the safety of being honest. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, like that whole PC chat as well. And we go back to comedy bringing forward an issue like that South Park thing with the PC babies. That <laughs> skit absolutely rocked me, man, because like, you know, on one level, it's like, there they are, like a bunch of babies. And when something inappropriate gets said, they start crying. It's like, oh, no, you've set off the PC babies. And like, you know, like. <laughs> Doesn't P- like PC principles, like pushy, pushy, crushing principles. Yeah. I feel like we're yeah. like, I feel like yes. we're out on a, an off-topic ocean. Like, should we bring it back? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. We're definitely. But, but It's a fun place. Don't look, look it, was, I, can... it was always going to be the case with you coming on board here. We, said, <laughs> we, we, have, we could talk for so much about stuff, but yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. When the Waffle was like, we're talking to the Culture Jam guy. I was like, I've got a lot of questions to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. But, you know, I think one of the bigger ones that we've sort of been covering more recently, I just want to tie this back into like something I was saying before about how like, you know, and I think that this is the case with your um, Propagate project that you were doing. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about like people wanting there to be like something more to like reality or like augmenting it in like a way. And you know, the way you describe it to me, it reminds me of like choose your own adventure books. Mm. Did you ever read those when you were growing up? I did. I used to fucking love them. I knew you would. I fucking knew you would, dog. Because like that's the way, like there's that energy in sort of like, you know, oh, which way will I go this time? I actually thought about creating a set and it's choose your own adventure and the dance floor like gets the vote. And you can go down no different, way. different pathways and different stories and choose good and bad and et cetera. You'd have to write a very complex set <laughs> to do that. But, yeah, that was one of my, my little pipe dream ideas. So where is, where is um, now that we're sort of semi out of lockdown, potentially going back <laughs> into lockdown, who knows? <laughs> 
Um, what's happening with hot back summer? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. What, what's what's happening with Propagate? Like, where is it at right now? Like, Propagate, like, realistically, needs like a bit more funding. Yeah, because it's, it's a big project, and um, you can buy it and do it right now, but. We kind of got it to like a, um, you know, like beta a, a stage. beta stage, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it would be really, really great to, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll find some, some more investors for it and yeah. just get another cash injection and because and, um, it's a really fucking cool thing and like, yeah, it's got mass marketability but we don't quite have the cash right now to give it that Push. that kick. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, to be perfectly honest, like it's just been like a really hard few years. So like my motivation isn't like. It's waning. Oh, Wayne <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we all got to kind of keep moving and living and eating. And also, like, you know, there's the positive side of COVID, which is like, you know, taking time out and meeting mm. people and working think, on yeah. parts of yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, that takes a lot of priority too. Yeah. Man, look, um, we've been at it for a while now. I, I kind of do want to wrap things up. But um, the thing I want to wrap up with is just getting a bit of insight into this next event that's coming up because this will be out pretty much. Uh, we were. We're, uh, we want this to obviously episode to come out right before that event, you know. Um, yeah, cool. The, the, um, sorry, I can't remember the name of the event. I Oops, Oops a Daisy. Oops a Daisy. So what what is the inspiration behind that? <laughs> town, <laughs> Diet Town. Diet Town. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. After, after, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. The gags resurfaced <laughs> and it just hit me like really hard. <laughs> I don't sorry. mean it as it comes across as an no, insult. I'm yeah, uh, I'm yeah. gonna. Uh, we could finish the podcast now. <laughs> okay. After the cast, he's about to rock <laughs> in the wolf's jaw. Scow. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I was throwing an event for ten years, about eight years actually, called Stacks On. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, Stacks On. Yeah. Completely Real fun yeah. day party, yeah, circus, yeah. color, good music. Yeah. Um, I think I've DJed there. I think you booked me once. Yeah, maybe for the side stage. Yeah. Yeah, that rings a bell. Bitch, you better put me on main stage next time. Uh, anyway, so yeah, um, series aren't <laughs> this doing... This guy's fishing out here. Come on, man. <laughs> series aren't doing events. So I, yeah, found this other beautiful venue, which is kind of very similar to series, Edendale Farm out in Eltham, beautiful location. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have the capacity to run like a wild world beyond or a town right now, like in this climate. Um, yeah. I need I need a team. I need like the motivation to just like dive deep on concepts. So yeah. yeah, a fun day party, which is just you know like all the fucking awesome culture jam crowd, colorful people. Um, yeah, it seemed more feasible. Yeah, and I hope when this comes out in a month, like I'm just buzzing and ready to go. Because right now I'm dealing with you know Omicron cases rising and and yeah. weighing that all up and like. Should I postpone? Is this this game is being played all over again I, now? I'll just be completely like transparent. Like if people have like Culture Jam and been to my events, like come to this because like if this doesn't go well, I'll probably stop doing events for a while. Yeah. Like, and that's not like a, that's not me trying to get people. That's just me being honest. Be I honest. Like, I don't, don't want to sell the gig when I'm, you know, have, you know, I'm having doubts. these hesitations. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, I, at some point I might come in, Community. You, you, I've been marketing Culture Jam and, and I've never, I'm like, never show weakness, always show strength. And like, yeah. in the next month, I just might be like, yo, this might be my last event. It's just me left. I yeah. fucking, you know, like. I'm here for you, bro. Thanks, man. Me and you, bro. You're my one friend on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, like, um, you know, when I launched the event, 
it was before Omicron. So, yeah, there's there's a very real challenge. And I didn't want to be in this fucking situation. Like, n- none of us did. Like, no, there's no dancing now. Like, how many gigs just got cancelled? Well, even... Indoor, uh, indoor. Indoor, indoor. Well, yeah, the, even, 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 like, um, I had a chat with um, uh, Luki from uh, Red Forest and uh, where the Wild Things Festival, so I'm, I'm helping running markets there. And uh, obviously this episode is going to come out after the event. But um, they you know, they had an after party with a venue that had a capacity of a thousand people. Yeah, the Croxton. Yeah. The Croxton. That there's a potentiality that that might not happen. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully by the, by, by the time this comes out, I can say that, you know, that happened. And I hope so too. I mean, at least it's not the main event, but who knows? Maybe this podcast will come out and um, I fucking hate to say it, but maybe Lukey's event and my event will be cancelled. Or postponed. Sure. What, but what I'm hoping is, is that because right now, right now though, like really Melbourne, Australia, our whole country, we're in a moment right now that the rest of the world, no, but the rest of the world has been through this. They've done it, man. In America, in other countries, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, and this is where it kind of annoys me that, that like they're attacking dance floors in particular as like the reason why COVID's spreading. Like the thing is, right, is that like if it is as virulent as what they say, we're not going to be able to stop it no matter what. You know what I mean? Like unless you do that sort of like post-World War One, like super grim lifestyle that we were all living where it was just like cooking and like, you know, being at home. Like there were good elements to it, but you know what I mean? In terms of like we'll push to that real like... But it's so, it's yeah. so relevant that like, and I'm not even necessarily against it, but like as I said, like actually I don't even think I did say it. Before COVID, like... As a festival organiser, you're always the one without the power. You're always the one who's, like, guilty until proven innocent. You have to prove yourself. And yeah. someone else has the ability to just be like, nah, you know what, you didn't follow that rule. And it's like, yeah, but why when you don't follow rules do, don't you suffer? Why, you know, it's always in the venue's hands or the council's hand and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to sound like fucking, like, super whiny or anything or the victim. Yeah, the exactly. victim mentality. It's more like I genuinely feel like that's just the way it is. You work so hard on a venue and then one little thing goes wrong and they're like, sorry, we won't have you next year. And you're like, well, there goes, like... The Three months of planning and, and all that. But if the venue fucks up, you're like, oh, no, that's that's cool. That was a little bit of a bother, but, hey, can we fix that up next time? Because, yeah. you know, you often don't have the power. So for events to be the first to go and the last to come back, it doesn't feel out of line with what we're used to. Definitely, absolutely. And, like, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, like, you know, we're at a point now where we haven't had big, like, large amounts of cases like other part, places in the world. And, you know, like, we're just sort of, like, coming out of lockdown, still really freaked out about, like, all the da 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 and everything. But, like, this was the whole point about the rush to get people vaccinated, you know what I mean? Because it's the only, like, defence that we have. And we knew that as soon as you open up... Yeah. that cases were going to surge. You can't stop it, like, entirely from spreading. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 going to happen. But what you can do, what they're trying to do is just, like, minimise the impact. Sure. But and we're, so, still, like, we're still dealing with... We're doing a good job of it, but we're still dealing with absolute fucking chaos. Yeah. And the goalpost gets shifting and it's no one's fault. And yeah. You get double vaccinated with Pfizer and then it's like, oh, yeah, Pfizer's 30% effective against Omicron. And it's just like, you know... Yeah. Um, the climate's hectic and it's, I, it's minute to minute hour by hour call, like I it call, literally is i called my friend who's um he does our security and medical and was just like can i book you for oops daisy and what's your thoughts on it and he's like mate he's like they don't have any idea what the fuck they're doing and if they tell you they do it's full of shit it's like we're fucking humans and we're, we're never you know we don't have any reference for a pandemic and we're just trying to work it out as we go and it's like yeah it's super and that's why you can't be like too much of a victim right because it's just like it's out of everyone's hands 
Absolutely, and you can only deal with those that are in your control. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that like you know, I, I don't necessarily think that like I want the virus to run rampant or like whatever. But I'm just saying that like it's one of those really fucked situations where you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. yeah Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like we want society to be, to be open so people can live their lives, create a, a livelihood. Throw a gig called like the like <laughs> Omicron Fest. Yeah, and then have everything Transformer themed. Like, <laughs> it'd be like Optimus Prime head for the stage and then like... I saw today they were that'd like... That would actually um, be pretty sick. They're like, you're not allowed dance floors unless it's um, a wedding and it's like, let's just throw weddings. Like, let's just, just change all the parties to weddings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a big bar mitzvah. It's uh, yeah, huge, huge. huge. Big Jewish family. Yeah. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer, man. <laughs> Why is Delta good from headlining? <laughs> Mate, Delta rocks. <laughs> Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Bringing it fucking back. Hey, yeah. look, I don't fucking know. Like, you know, mate, yeah, come to Oops Daisy because I will always throw a great gig. You know, like, I pride myself on that. I've never thrown a Put, shit gig. Amen to that, my man. But, um, yeah. Like I said, I'll probably just be transparent. But you know what? Like, I pulled a tarot card today, and I know I'm sounding like more of a hippie by the fucking second, but, like, it gave me a sign We're to all just, like... Hippies. It gave me a sign to just, like, pull back, give myself some space, and, like, a surge of creativity will come back. And, you know, like, two days ago, I felt fucking amazing. I just booked a sound system. There were, like, 17 tickets sold on that day. So um, I just think it's, like, it's natural right now to have um, ups and downs and... I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to fucking be a fucking facade or be a salesman and, like, yeah. I'd rather say exactly what I'm feeling. That's more important. Word. And I think people, when they see this, will stand by that and go, fuck yeah. Definitely. I want to, like, it gives them more of a reason to go, I'm going to come to that. Yeah. Because that's this person's livelihood that they've spent 10, 10 plus years working on this thing purely to give the, them or us an experience that is just different, that doesn't promote hedonism and drug taking, but actually an ability to shed baggage. Yeah, and I think, I think, yeah, Culture Jam provides a really special, um, old, like, alternative to, in, you know, in a healing space, you know, in, in not, in, not in a pretentious way, like in a very organic way in yeah. the scene. And, um, yeah, I think it would really suck for it not to be there. Um, Dude, it would be pretty devastating. I think a lot of people would be devastated because a lot of... Um, like I said, and like not even not not talking ego here, but I get it everywhere I go. You know, like uh, no, it really, and, uh, really uh, means a lot to people. Absolutely, and that's why I mentioned. I mean, there's a reason why you go to festivals like Dragon Dreaming or the, uh, like whatever Yamaya, and lo and behold, there's a little culture jam element there that like these organizers and promoters like ask you. Like I remember uh, Luki from Red Forest. Like we were at Dragon Dreaming one night, and uh, I think he had like a like a fake mental asylum and had like yeah, a ball yeah, pit. Yeah. That and was like, so close to home. Yeah. <laughs> just like one night I was trying to like lock the mental asylum and I was just all like in my head. I'm like, oh my God, of course I built a fucking mental asylum you for know? myself. But it was like, honestly <laughs> it was like. Full, full <laughs> it was 20,000 ball pit balls in the mental asylum and we had like doctors and nurses and my friend Kim, Kim Little, oh my fucking God. Yeah, like yeah. the first night she's just like. I've never seen someone like so like simultaneously in character and genuinely like she was like she was doing like psychology sessions for people but in character and diagnosing like masturbation and more like techno and stuff <laughs> but like so so present and like genuinely like 
working through issues with people and ball pit, the ball pit is therapeutic. Like they actually use it in trauma therapy. It's mm-hmm. like, it's you, you're, you're safe and it's childlike and like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we built a cage and, and put, um, 30,000 balls. Yeah. yeah. And I had this, I went in there by the way and played with Luke. He was just like throwing balls at <laughs> like being absolutely chill and laughing. Huh? That's what I love as well. It's like just seeing like all these different people with all these different ways of reacting and they come in there and they just b- become instantly like playful and childlike yeah. and, but yeah. it's funny because people always say like, oh, you're too old for that. And it's like, I hate that mentality. Yeah. You know I, what I hate mean? that with the passion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're too old to do that. It's like, well, who's standing? That's yeah, a narrative yeah. that someone else has put on you. Who did, what do they say that about? Like, what, Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Any, yeah, well, yeah. Anything, man. Yeah, and like, I look at it, Dungeons and Dragons is cool. You're fucking booming. Yeah. My friends it, love playing Dragons and Dragons. Yeah. I want to learn how to play it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, surely well, it's cosplay. It's cool. Like, Being nerdy is cool. Yeah. Surely you get to a point in your life and you just don't give a fuck about what's cool in any way. Well, like, I, I ha- like, and I've really tried to avoid this in my events, like be anything that is cool. Like cool is lame. Cool is like, I've, I've been to certain techno gigs and I'm like, people are high on drugs concerned about being cool. Like that is, the, that sounds so fucking stressful like being high and like being concerned about like image and, and obviously I'm being a judgmental fuck from the outside making that assessment, no, but, but, but I the, fucking seen it and I stand by it. <laughs> there's this, yeah, there's this strange thing. Like it's funny because I was saying to my friend uh, yesterday, like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a the Boris Pressure and Thomas Schumacher gig. Like there's going to be a lot of people obviously doing drugs at that thing, but I'm like, I just genuinely love this kind of techno. Like, I, just, totally. I, was like, I just cannot wait to just find a corner on my own and just shuffle. And just I'll, fucking get out of your soul, hey? Just yeah, like, oh. just, I just want to dance. I don't want to drink. I, like, I don't care. Like, this will be the day after where the wild thing. So I would have literally been, I would work from 8 a.m. to basically midnight on this festival, you know, working with the guys. And that's work, you know. But I'm like, the next day, well, it's going to go dance. It's all I want to do. Is that, and then it's like, that's, Unfortunately, the environment isn't, not everyone shares the same, I guess, sentiment sometimes, but, you know. Definitely, but that's the thing. You get better at weeding out the, the you know. Well, you just got to do your own the, the shit. I think people, you just got to do. Because, like, you know, that just, yeah, you just, you just, you know. I think, I think it's rather than weeding out, like, I wouldn't use that term. I'd just be like, just go do your own thing. Yeah. Just do you. Just do you. Nobody can do you better than you. Yeah, but like people know? will see that, and then if they resonate well, with well, that, and then, then you create a vibe. I mean, that just generally yeah. for me, that what's that's what happens. Like around me, is it's like I just like man, I'm just here to play. I just want to play with people. Yeah, and there's a law of attraction. You suddenly find yourself like clicking with the right people, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good time. Um, Much like the last two hours and fifty minutes, guys. Wow, should we wrap this up? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, this is the, probably the most fluid conversation we've had uh, so far on the show. I mean, yeah, we've had some great, been... great conversations, but we, you know, we've gone deep. We've gone yeah, we've gone to a, we've gone to some really interesting pockets and haven't spent, you know, spent the right amount of time at each one. It feels. Mm. <laughs> it's, been, it's been cool. Shout out to Earthquake. Shout out to Spiro. <laughs> May you rest in peace. Yeah, thanks for booking Tism. <laughs> oh, I would have, the things I do, fuck, Tism at a music festival. That was like my dream. Was or, the uh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're old and retired now. But, um, yeah, fucking geniuses. Oh. So, um, so yeah, let's wrap this up. So when is the date for the gig? Feb 20. Feb 20. So Feb 20, guys, if you support Mickey and everything he's done over the last 10 years. I'll give you a hug. Give you a hug. But I'll, I'll add you as one of my Facebook it's, friends. It's, yeah. this hot, week, it's this weekend. <laughs> it's hot property. Um, <laughs> it's hot property because at this stage I've only got one Facebook friend. So like, man. Is that like, me? 
No, oh. it's Kirsten because oh. so I got kicked off Facebook and I needed to I couldn't do sponsored Culture Jam posts. I'm like, oh, and that and that's part of the reason I was feeling a little bit cynical about the gig as well. I'm like, oh god, I, I've lost I've my lost ability. my fucking Facebook account. But I managed to get Kirsten to add me as an admin, and I just got it back today, and and you know can start mm. promoting promoting again yep. properly, which is really nice. But you didn't but lose your fan base on on the followers. I've lost my Instagram, um, but yeah, not Culture Jam, and I have one. No, I mean, the Culture Jam, you didn't lose any of the the, the hot like. I haven't the, lost any followers, but I, my Instagram's currently disabled. Killer. Why would oh, someone want to hack you? That is like oh I don't know some random hack from overseas, but uh, you know. Roll with the punches. Roll with the blows, Keep baby. Keep bringing the joy. So February 20. Yeah, yeah. Got some great music. Digital Africa, Mood Swing and Chevy Bass, mm-hmm. like live four-piece. A 20-hour Shantaram set. Pirates, yeah. Gar Rebellion, Shantaram, stand-up comedy, five-hour <laughs> set. Is, is Down it, by the lake. No, is he going to do the Svetlana material? Because if he's not doing the Svetlana material, I'm not in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm only in it for Svetlana. I like his old stuff better than his new stuff. Yeah. Hey, that's regurgitated now. Hey. Now you're getting in there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, bringing it back, Earthcore, it all comes back to Earthcore. Whole, I remember at Earthcore, <laughs> Regurgitator were playing I Like Your Old Stuff Better Than You Stuff. You mentioned that. And, um, yeah, there was a, a woman on tissue just spinning around, just like, like spinning off the roof and the, while they were jamming out to I Like Your Old Stuff Better Than You Stuff. I Like Your Old Stuff Better Than You Stuff. Is that what the song goes like? <laughs> yeah, I think so. it's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's That's the lyrics, but it's all, like a cappella, it's different. There's a lot more going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. But when they did that like band in a bubble thing, when they were just like recording a yeah, whole album. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they recorded an album at Fed Square in a bubble for a month, which I don't think it turned out. Yeah, it was album. broadcast on Channel V. But you could like look inside the bubble and just right. like this Perspex dome and see them creating. In the middle of Fed Square, just like. And Earth Dance, which was like where I kind of, I mentioned earlier, like I started volunteering the on. The charity uh, event, yeah. Yeah, it was a world dance for peace and, and raising money for, yeah. for different charities. Um, They held were held that year at Fed Square. So we were like doofing in the middle of Fed Square and um, Interpulse, he plays us now. Um, yeah, Richie a, a, a doof act, yeah, Richie. He was playing his Mantrix, his live tribal trance yeah. act, and they talked to Regurgitator and they synced up. So they were like playing their tribal trance on the electronic drums and Richie on all the synths. And Regurgitator appeared on the, the big projection screen at Fed Square in, in gas masks <laughs> and they were playing synthesizers too, like digitally synced up. And like... I don't know, it was like 15 years ago or something and this was just like, oh, my fucking God, like this is the sickest thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. That was a good time. Shout out to Richie, the lovely gentleman. Yeah, but, yeah, fucking sending my love to everyone who's, you know, fucking just going through a time because it's been a fucking hectic couple of years. Yeah, it has been. The arts community's reeling, man, it's fucked. I'll keep working hard to um, throw great events and create spaces where people can heal and dance and just fucking... Rock and joy. Um, and, yeah, if you want to support me back, that would be sick. <laughs> As I said, man, I'm glad those people kept you on the path, brother. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, glad, they're, glad they did. They're solid as fuck. Shout out, shout out to all the people who make Culture Jam what it is, like the core team. Yeah. You, if they've worked with you, I'm sure they know who they are. Yeah, and everyone. Big, like, you know. Yeah. Big up. Big up. <laughs> yeah, blah, blah. Well... I guess this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is two hours and 54 minutes and counting. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait for and 50 the seconds. The longest podcast to, dare, to date. And uh, this is Mickey, Michael Scarlett from Culture Jam slash Trickbox, formerly known as Rhythmic. <laughs> uh, Feb 20, that's the date. My man's Blaney over here. And this uh, guy right here, Nawaf. Yeah, <laughs> what a known guy. as the Waffle, the great Waffle. The Waffle, what a guy. Um, 
So tune in, guys. This is going to come out pretty soon. Episode 12. We love you. This is Surreal Melbourne. Over and out.